Oh, he it's bro. I thought you I thought he was saying don't tase me low, which bro <laughs> makes that low makes more sense to me. But anyway, <laughs> Leave it to Tony to make it. Leave it to Tony, always thinking below the belt. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. And turn it up and drive during the Jeep Celebration event at South Fork Jeep. Call 1-800-LOW-PRICE to get a lifetime warranty and 0% financing for 72 months on new Jeep Grand Cherokees. Shop the fastest growing dealer in Texas at SouthForkDodge.com. That's SouthForkDodge.com. The JTS team is here to inform and entertain you about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or just thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place. Whether you're interested in having a unique off-road experience ready to hit the trails or that daily driver that's also a weekend warrior, this show is for you. Find out more information about uh, the show at jeeptalkshow.com. Hello, fellow Jeeper. I'm Josh, and on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, I'm going to tell you about some Jeep hacks that just may change your life. And I'll have the final and official numbers on the EPA rating for the Grand Wagoneer that's soon to be released. And Jeep just won a special award that is just in time for the 4th of July. And later, we ask you, the listener, a question that will, well, you've probably never been asked this one before. Well, howdy, it's Wendy. And in this episode, I'm going to share a training moment that inspired me. Hey, I'm Tammy, a.k.a. Jeep Mama, and... Finally, after three long months, I get to take a bath. So excited. Oh, and my top five tips on picking an RV campground. Hey, I'm Tony, and I've been tased. (gasps) And in this week's interview, I'll be speaking with Jason of Coffeeville Jeepers and his years of working in an oil refinery lab. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. No, wait. We need to go back, and I need more information on Tony being tased. I, I just, I, something tells me he liked it. Well, <laughs> it depends on where the, where the little barbs go in, you know? Oh, jeez. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeep is once again teasing a future model, and they are doing it in one of the most cryptic ways in the automaker's history. This week, Jeep Actual tweeted out a series of four photos with one single sentence to give it all context. Capability is a numbers game. Now, what do you suppose Jeep means by that? Well, it's off-road capability, for sure. What else are Jeeps known for uh, being so capable of? Anyways, well, the photos uh, are of what the Jeep world is buzzing about right now. Simple in nature, and nature is what seems to be the forefront of these pics, or should I say the background. Going shot by shot, there's the number 12.9 over reddish clay rocks stretching into the distance. Not too dissimilar from what one might find in Moab, for instance. But there's a winding road off in the distance. Well, what does it mean? A picture of light blue water is seen in another pic. This image has the number 33.6 midway through it. But the number is faded, almost disappearing. And the number 6 is distorted as if it was being seen through the distortion of said water. What does that mean? Another rocky picture shows 100 to 1 in ratio format. It is gigantic in size when compared to the scale of the other pictures, and the number sits quite a bit behind the scenery in this one, where in all the others, the numbers are on top of or only slightly behind the landscape. But when are you going to tell us what this means? 
Uh, finally, 47.4 is shown on a mountainside with tall grassy peaks in the background. You can see a foot trail with tiny people on it both below and up on the summit, giving you the impression this picture was taken from very far away. In this image, the numbers are tilted, going down the hillside in the foreground. The numbers here, too, are just slightly behind what you see in the foreground. God damn it, what does it all mean? So here's what I think this all means. Oh, thank God. This was one of the easiest ones to interpret is the, uh, the image with the 100 to 1. Clearly, this is a ratio number, and when we're talking Jeeps and ratios, we're talking about rock crawling. What else, right? For reference, the existing Wrangler Rubicon has an 84 to 1 crawl ratio with the rock track, four-wheel drive system, and manual gearbox. So it's not a stretch of the imagination to think that Jeep is taking things a step further and getting into those ultra-deep crawl ratios for better rock crawling. The image with water and the number 33.6 may be a reference to the fording depth. Not much else would really make a whole lot of sense with the sloshing blue fluid in the background other than maybe fuel economy, hinting that maybe we're going to see a Jeep off-roader with 30 plus miles per gallon. The blue hinting at possibly a hybrid option here. This would fall in line with Jeep's pro proclamation of electrifying the whole lineup. A hybrid Wrangler could theoretically get 30 plus miles to the gallon. Now, some of you may have seen an earlier teaser showing that same 47.4 number, but it was put on the rear bumper of a Jeep Wrangler in combination with seeing it angled downwards here in this image. Now, the company could be hinting at the departure angle of this new model. That may make sense with the first teaser of the number being on the rear bumper of the Jeep. Now, I could also be a com just completely batshit crazy here. No, you don't say! An earlier teaser had an arrow pointing at the rear of a drawing of a Wrangler with the number 40.4 below it. For reference, a Wrangler Rubicon has a departure angle of 37.0 degrees, so either figure would really be a big improvement in departure angle and still be in line with the off-roading theme that we're applying here. Now, the image with 12.9, I think, is the most enigmatic. It certainly is the most uh, open to interpretation. I personally think it's the overall ground clearance for this new vehicle, but the, for, you know, the presence of the roadway in the same pick throws me off of that conclusion slightly. For now, though, that's my best guess, and here's why. The existing Wrangler Rubicon has a clearance of almost 11 inches, so this would be quite an upgrade if my interpretations are accurate. Now, Jeep isn't yet saying when this mystery machine will debut, so there's a possibility of seeing a whole lot more unexplained numbers before the official premiere. I just so happen to like this little numbers game, and I think it's kind of a fun way to get the Jeep world engaged in what it is that Jeep is about to do or release upon us. So, what do you guys think of all this? I actually think you're probably right on with your numbers. I mean, it kind of makes sense, but I saw the ad myself and kind of went, what are they talking about? So... A lot of people are going to be completely clueless on this because, again, mm -hmm. there's not a whole lot of context other than, mm -hmm. you know, them saying uh, that, you know, capability is a numbers game. And, mm -hmm. and so, it's the only thing I could think of. Capability, when you're talking Jeep, means off-road capability, not like how many mm -hmm. groceries you can carry or, you know, something like that. Uh, so, you know, it, it's they're, they're going over about all these numbers in a context of off-road relating to a new vehicle that's about to be released is it a Wrangler? Is it a new version of a Wrangler? Is it something completely different? Now, some of the online forums and stuff are buzzing about this, talking about, is Jeep about to release a Roadster? Now, if you guys remember, um, for several years, Jeep has teased different concept vehicles, most of which have been showcased or debuted at the Easter Jeep Safari. And, and there's been a couple at you know SEMA and, and things like that as well, where you see this almost dune buggy-like type Jeep. And it represents more of a dune buggy than it does a Wrangler or a rock crawler. 
and and they've been calling these you know buggy esque jeeps roadsters uh, because they are very low body profile. They typically have a low center of gravity as well, and more importantly, they don't have a top. Now, if you go back into the days of willies and stuff, no, those Jeeps didn't have tops either. Um, some of them did. They were equipped depending on how the Jeep was so outfitted and what its purpose was for. Now, in the 140.4 image from the, uh, from the previous teasers, we see a very old image of a Jeep. They called it a drawing, but it's an old sign. Uh, it's kind of like what you'd find on a bathroom door image for a Jeep, for instance. Uh, and and it, this just represents sort of that iconic Jeep image, but this image does not have a top. Whereas you might see on an off-road sign at a trailhead or something like that, an image that looks more like a Jeep with a top. So is this, are, is, are we reading more into this one particular image than, than what Jeep is intending? Who really knows? Uh, but there's mm -hmm. certainly an option out there for Jeep to be teasing us with something along the lines of what could potentially be a roadster. Uh, and so what it's going to look like, what it means, I, I don't really put a whole lot of weight into that option. I think it's going to be um, a more ruggedized version or a more off-roady version of a Wrangler. Uh, I, I'm even thinking possibly of something like a Rubicon 2.0, uh, something that is more of an off-road machine than it is a daily driver, uh, something that is possibly a package or a limited edition, special edition, something like that. I, I really don't know, but uh, it's it's fun to speculate nonetheless. I was thinking that twelve. I was thinking they were all crawl ratios, and the 12.9 was uh, the crawl ratio for like a Renegade. And uh, I was feeling really bad for that twelve nine. Like, oh, does, guys. does anybody have? Does any of them have a hundred to one crawl ratio? I was thinking the Rubicon uh, from uh, from the factory is like fifty. Was it fifty two, fifty five to, well, to one? Depending on uh, depending on how it's outfitted. No, no, uh, but it, from the factory though. I mean, it's it's very. It has a very high crawl ratio. Yeah, it's eighty four to one. If oh my you have goodness! Manual, if you have the manual transmission, and if you you have the the rock track uh, transfer case. Only with that combination do you get the 84 to 1. So, you know, if your Rubicon is outfitted in such a way, then yes, you will have a close to 100 to 1 ratio. So, I mean, and if you're running an aftermarket transfer case like Tony is, for instance, with a, you know, an Atlas transfer case, I think you could outfit those uh, to get down to that, that kind of a gear ratio as well. Yeah, I, uh, uh, Steve 4.3LXJ advised me not to get the, uh, gosh, the four to one or whatever it was transfer case. I went with a 3.8 uh, to one. So I think I'm up close to 50 on the, uh, on the XJ. If I did all the, the on-screen calculation uh, website calculation correctly. So uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of ratio. So I just can't imagine an 84 to one. My God. Or even, even hundred to one. I mean, you're, you're insane. Third gear, you know, third gear pinning the rev limiter and you're doing two miles an hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yay. No, but it's really good for really good for when you're when you're in the rocks, you're trying to crawl a steep obstacle, something like that. You're you're gonna wish you had ratios like that. Absolutely. Well, Jeep is declared America's most patriotic brand. After confirmation that the Ford Bronco was in production, people started saying that it was destined to be the Jeep killer. Meh. What a minute. And furthermore, you mean I the Bronco from the eighties, the seventies and eighties? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> it's well, in production we again? The new Bronco is, is uh, there's a Bronco and a Bronco Sport, and they are completely different vehicles, and Ford lied to everybody, <laughs> uh, misleading everybody about what the Bronco really was, and decided to uh, release the one that they uh, they weren't teasing instead. So there's a lot of 
pissed off people that have bought Broncos out there, but uh, but I digress. Now, while the newer Bronco is still selling pretty well, Jeep still appears to have the advantage in the minds of most consumers. And the company has emerged as the most patriotic brand in North America for the 19th consecutive year, according to an annual survey conducted by Brand Keys. Now, this emotional connection is important for the success of any brand, regardless of whether its products are the best or not. Now, Jeep topped the list of the most patriotic brands and was followed by Walmart and Disney. Ford came in a dismal fourth and tied with Amazon in a list of 1,172 surveyed brands. After that, that's pretty good being number one. Now, there's yeah. a big gap for automo- uh, automotive brands with Tesla coming in at number 30. Now, tech giants Apple and Twitter tied for 12th, and Harley-Davidson sits at 14th. Now, the number of consumers surveyed totaled about, well, just under 6,000, and they ranged in age from 16 to 65 years old. These consumers were balanced based on their political uh, affiliation and gender, and they represented people from the nine different U.S. census regions. Now, Jeep's achievement of nearly two decades as the most patriotic brand in America is perhaps not surprising, especially to those of us who have been fans for most of our lives. The company manufactures vehicles right here in the U.S., creating thousands of jobs in facilities like the Detroit Assembly Complex. Jeep also often reveals special editions of its vehicles that foster a sense of national unity, such as the Freedom Editions of vehicles like the Renegade and Wrangler that honor the military. It is said that the brand uh, that the brands that engage customers on an emotional and patriotic level will, by the numbers, sell three to six times the units that a competitor with different branding would. That's amazing. All I think that is Jeep and America. Yeah, I think yeah. that uh, whenever you uh, free the world and win a win a world war, uh, you're uh, you're you're pretty much a uh, patriotic uh, vehicle. Uh, you know, I but, think but that's nineteen how it years, nineteen years running. So I mean, that, that that's pretty dang good. And, and I, I, you know, here here's to twenty. Yeah, right? well, exactly. If, if they keep making World War II movies, the, that patriot uh, trend should go on. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, exactly. that's how the the majority of us know the World War II, not not through living through it. So, because uh, I think most of the uh, World War II uh, folks are uh, uh, no longer with us. So, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, hopefully, a couple. Yeah, hopefully the uh, we won't have uh, any reason to uh, have another patriotic vehicle. I'm fine with Jeep being the patriotic patriotic vehicle from now on. Here, here. Well, as we have been reporting on for well, know, months now, the Jeep Grand Wagoneer will be returning to showroom floors this summer. Now, we have heard of some of the specs, we've heard of the cost, and of course, all of the features. Now, we know the towing capability and even the drivetrain options that are to become available for the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer models. What is new is some information that came out this week about the full-size Jeep's fuel economy, and I think the term economy can probably be left out of all this. <laughs> Now, the EPA is estimating that the Grand Wagoneer will come in a combined 15 miles per gallon. The cheaper and less luxurious Wagoneer, unfortunately, still has its numbers under wraps, but I think it's safe to say they will be north of what the Grand Waggy is capable of. The Grand Wagoneer's EPA-estimated fuel economy makes the big Jeep less efficient than other American luxury SUVs, such as the Cadillac Escalade and Lincoln Navigator. All Grand Wagoneers use, use a naturally aspirated 6.4-liter V8 engine that produces 471 horsepower and 455 pound-feet of torque. And four-wheel drive is, of course, standard. The V8 has cylinder deactivation and is paired with an 8-speed automatic transmission. The AP, EPA estimates that the Grand Wagoneer will still only get 13 miles per gallon in the city and 18 miles per gallon on the highway. The Wagoneer will likely be more efficient as it's powered by a 5.7-liter V8 with a 48-volt belt-driven motor generator system called e which we already know a little bit about. 
if we go off the numbers from the Ram 1500 with e-torque, which the Wagoneer is loosely based on chassis-wise, we can get an idea of what the smaller Wagoneer could get for miles. Cadillac Escalades with four-wheel drive and a standard 6.2-liter V8 engine are rated at 16 miles per, um, per gallon combined, 13 miles per gallon in the city, and 19 miles per gallon on the highway. The Lincoln Navigator, which uses a twin-turbocharged V6 engine, is rated at 17 miles per gallon combined, 16 miles per gallon city, and 20 miles per gallon highway. German luxury SUVs such as the BMW X7 and Mercedes-Benz GLS class are EPA-rated at 21 miles per, ga- uh, per gallon combined with their respective turbocharged six-cylinder engines. Pretty uh, shabby considering Jeep is trying to do this naturally aspirated. Jeep says that both a hybrid model and hands-free driving will be available eventually. The 2022 Grand Wagoneer will arrive this summer, starting at just over 88000 <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Can you imagine the payment on that? So, uh, no, do you think I the 100 to 1 uh, crawl ratio will be available on this for the $88,000? <laughs> Something tells me that transfer case isn't going to make it into the full-sized SUVs, but time will tell. Uh, that's be, it's a good question, Tony, because that kind of opens the door to a trail-rated version of the Grand Wagoneer or Wagoneer, which, I mean, to be honest, it really isn't out of the stretch of imagination. I mean, we could see those coming in um, maybe model year two or three, uh, certainly not this year. I just think it'd be really cool uh, to see like a, a Ford excursion, uh, you know, that big ass uh, SUV that the Ford used to make. A Ford excursion, like on 44s and uh, uh, just, you know, taken out, uh, not on the trails, but uh, in the mud pit, I guess. You could get the whole family stuck at, at one time, including <laughs> including grandma. So, it would uh, be kind of the same thing with this. It would be uh, really cool to see something like this all set up on uh, 44s and stuff. Of course, I'm, I'm sure you'd have to change out the front as- axle. Uh, I'm sure it's IFS. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, well, hey, if there's anybody out there who uh, is really good with Photoshop, go ahead and and, uh, put something together and post it up on our Facebook page. We'll definitely want to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, we want to hear what you have to say. Uh, Be sure to let us know. You can do it by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. And coming up a little bit later in the show, we've got an interview with someone who finally had the balls to come on our show and share their own Jeep story with us. His name is Jason Finley, and we'll hear his Jeep story in just a little bit. No balls were harmed in the uh, interview process. (laughs) You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, we'll have some uh, quick, cheap, if not free, modifications that you can do for your Jeep today. After the show's over, when 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 Josh says today, he means after the show's over. Not going to stop for push pause right now. If you can listen to both, I mean, if you can do both, listen and do do it at the same time. That's fine. That that'll be perfectly <laughs> acceptable. Hey, Tony, DRI here in Utah. Getting a late start on work again. Anyways, I love the the interview you're doing right now. Really something that I enjoy and I'd love to get into. Uh, I got a nephew. I know that that stuff would be perfect for. Uh, anyways, hope I'm 22. Late in the day, bridging the gap. Something that they really need to get done. Uh, I know so more than a lot of people. Talk to you later. Now, Dr. was talking about our uh, interview with uh, True Patriot Inc. last uh, last week, and uh, they they're doing a little giveaway T-shirt, a couple other things. And you had to be caller number 22, uh, giving that uh, bridging the gap uh, uh, phrase that pays. And that's what he was doing. 
And he had a few a few words of uh, of interest there for us in, in the voicemail. So huh. uh, certainly uh, something we wanted to include on the show. So uh, if you're curious, the, uh, the the 22nd caller has not called in yet and given the phrase that pays. <gasps> so that thing's still going on. So if you're uh, if you heard the interview and you're interested in uh, getting those uh, those goodies from True Patriot, you might want to give us a call. ER was caller number 21. I just, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no idea, actually. <laughs> Missed it by that much. <laughs> just a bit. What? Where's the noob? Noob. 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 Hey, newbie. Newbie. Noob. Nugget. It's time for Newbie Nuggets. Well, new drivers to jeeping have lots to learn and overcome. Some come from off-road backgrounds and seem to settle in just fine, but others are very new to jeeping, let alone any kind of off-roading. When you work with the true newbie, do you take the time to work with them or train at their level of understanding? It's very easy to be excited for this new driver, but if you roll on past them and expect them to know or understand terminology as an example, they may be so nervous or too shy or they don't feel or they feel embarrassed to ask questions. Do you allow them to ask questions and feel comfortable? Well, at Trails 411 4x4 School, when we work with the newbie, we try to put ourselves back in that newbie position and really help get information out that they can relate to. We have been working with Redlands Jeep in Southern California, and a shout out to all the newbies that we've just met. And on this last run, I encountered a real newbie. Sure, they all, they all are mostly new to jeeping. That's why they joined us on an easy run. But this driver was a newbie. After a meet and greet at the dealer and driver's meeting, we headed out on a basic easy fire road trail. Now, we helped teach some things on how their Jeeps run, like putting the Jeep in four high or four low, and when and why to use those gears, the why and how to air down and air back up if they have the capability or compressor, among other things. Now, we stopped along the trail and did a simple, to us, but maybe a bit scary to a newbie, climb. Now, this hill obstacle is about four Jeep lengths in height with a turnaround at the top and then a downhill descent. This is a great way to show that their stock Jeep can climb what seems like a tall hill and that when coming down the hill, they learn how the braking helps them stay in control. While most students see this hill and say things like, I can't go up that or no way the Jeep can do that. And after climbing the hill, they are elated that they have accomplished it. Now, I always have the drivers walk up the hill and visualize as I discuss what to do and how to use the spotter. They watch Don or Bill climb up and use me as a spotter. Then one by one, they get in their Jeep and climb the hill. Well, this time, one new Jeep owner and driver got up the hill perfectly, easy on the foot pedal and tire spin. But when she got to the top to come back down, fear set in. I mean, white knuckle fear in her eyes. She stated she couldn't go down the hill and that I needed to drive the Jeep down. She repeated this several times. And I took my time to help her feel comfortable and explain calmly that the Jeep was capable and that I felt she was capable as well. And that I wouldn't put her in a position if I felt her or the Jeep couldn't do it. Now, after a few minutes, I asked her if she was ready and she said yes. Now, I had to come forward and stop. I had her come forward and stop just as she crested over the top to see down the hill. I told her that Bill was going to spot her down and that she needed to watch him and focus on him and not think about the hill or the descent. She agreed, and we slowly had her come down the hill. And she did it. 
Now, later on in the day, I asked how she was doing because we were driving on easy fire roads, but there were spots where it was a shelf road with higher elevation and some very steep and tight switchbacks. Now, Tammy knows that feeling of a narrow road high up yeah. on the hillside of a hill like Black Bear Pass. Well, we weren't quite that high up, but the feeling is similar, especially when you're new. Now, this driver mentioned she was doing very well because I took the time to help her down that one hill, and now she felt like she could do anything. It made me feel so good that I helped her through something, and who knows what doors that'll open for her in her life. Now, I knew if, if she got out of that Jeep at that point, she probably wouldn't ever do trails again. I mm. knew she was excited to learn to drive, and I just took my time. Now, there is a fine line of pushing and helping a newbie get over their fear. I was prepared to drive her deep down and have her sit in the passenger seat. Luckily, she took the leap of faith with me and got through something that was easy to me, but was monumental to her. So when working with newbies, we almost need to take a step back and realize not everyone has the same experience that got them here in that moment. It's our job as stewards of jeeping to really help anyone who is new and wants to learn. Now, this gal is going to be an awesome jeeper. She already conquered a fear that was huge to her. And I was glad I was the one to help her down. It makes jeeping that much more fun and makes me realize that any action we do on the trail can positively affect someone else. Likewise, our actions could also affect someone negatively too. I help all the mentors out there take the time to continue to help in a positive way. So guys, have you had a driver have so much fear that they needed to get out of the Jeep? Not quite the extent of that. I mean, I've, I've had those situations where, where somebody definitely didn't have the self-confidence. There was a lot of doubt that maybe they didn't quite know their vehicle as well as they should have uh, by that time. Um, a, lot, a lot of things. There's a lot of factors that go into a situation like this. Um, but not so much to the point of where, no, I can't do it and I'm getting out. I mean, yeah. there's been that, that, you know, no, I can't do it and I'm going to bypass. That's a little sure. bit different. Um, mm -hmm. But when there is no bypass, or you pretty much just have to sit yourself, sit out of that run, uh, more mm -hmm. or less, um, that, that's that's a lot more negative to digest than, sure. than than just you know go around the obstacle type of thing or something mm -hmm. like that. Now, what you're saying about you know negativity and stuff like that, I've seen a lot more of that than mm -hmm. I have of, of the white knuckle fear. Now, I've seen you know where you know the guys you know hand the wheel off to the wife and and she's you know behind the you know jeep on a on a you know moderate trail for the first time ever, and there's a lot of that uncertainty <laughs> and there's a difference between uncertainty and fear, I think sure because Absolutely. you know uncertainty is just is just not knowing but not necessarily being afraid of the unknown and mm -hmm. and then there's there's that you know well i there's no effing way I can do that I'm probably going to crash the jeep you know yeah. and it's just it's just that you know that lack of self confidence. What you did was was bring her down to a level where you were at and 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 brought her fear way down and, and or at least compartmentalized it to the point of where she could focus on the on the things that were real uh, mm -hmm. and tangible and and that mattered more. And obviously it took a couple few minutes for you know the uh, the heart rate to come down and, and maybe sure. to, for the adrenaline to be you know uh, uh, metabolized a little bit and and for the system to come back to normal-ish to where she could start processing things a little bit more normally and with a little bit more, uh, you know, logic and reason. And, and, and the emotion of things can definitely get in the way when you're off-road, um, but at the same time, it can also uh, feed into, uh, uh, into the situation a lot and make it that much more enjoyable or, or fun. 
So uh, what you were saying about, you know, uh, things can go both ways and it really depends on who you're with and the, the people that you're with. And of course, how receptive the person is who is sort of at the, the crux of all of this. Uh, exactly. and, and that comes that that really has a lot to play with it as well. Um, if they are extremely uh, mentally or emotionally immature, there's a good chance that th- no matter how much talking and coaching that you do, and no matter how much you are, you know, reassuring them or or reinstilling the confidence into them, they're just going to be freaking out. And there's nothing mm-hmm. that you can do to stop that. Um, yeah. There are those people out there, and and there's not a whole lot you can do for them other than just give them their time and let them figure it out themselves. Because uh, oftentimes, yeah. you know, trying to you know, convince them or persuade them or, or otherwise can make things a lot worse. So, um, you know, you, you got to be careful out there and you got to be careful about what you say. And it's not necessarily all about what you say, but also how you say it. Well, it's how you say it. And this particular obstacle, even though, like I said, it's simple to us, when you come around after coming to the top of that, you are almost pointed in an upward um, direction to where you can't see the descent. There's this oh. moment where you you have a few moments of rolling through this where you're just looking at the sky. And Blind. I think that also gives somebody who hasn't had experience, they can't see. You know, there's no visual. So it was a matter of... It's a cliff. First, there's nothing yes, there. <laughs> exactly. And I, I mean, we've all been there. You know, I can't uh-huh. see. I have to trust that there's a road there. Um, but when you're new like that, it was it was just good for me to just take a moment and put myself back when I first started and understanding what her fear was and letting her, like you said, Josh, kind of sort of calm down and come back to sort of reality. And Mm -hmm. all I did was bring her over that little hump the first time. And all of a sudden she could see the ground again. And then we brought her to the next level and I had her put that brake on. And then she was focusing on Bill. And what I did is said, just focus on Bill and whatever he tells you to do, that's all you have to think about. And then she could forget about the rest of it. And I think that really just gave her that built of confidence for the moment. But, you know, it happens to everybody and there's always going to be somebody you can't, like you said, walk them out. And I was fully prepared to say if she went to that next level, which I'm not sure what that would have been, but I think I would have sensed it. I would have said, absolutely, let's get out. But I would have put her in the passenger side and said, you at least got to go down with me. Yeah, you know? No, so you're riding way. along without, yeah, yeah, yeah. without Cause, doubt. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because we're going to get you through that. But I was really thankful. I had no idea that one moment was going to affect her the rest of the trip. And even though the rest didn't have anything, just basic fire roads, there were quite a few of those tight switchbacks that, you know, there's no there's no um, side. You know, you, you, it's just yeah. open. You know, there's mountains. No guardrail. Yeah. There's no guardrail. Yeah, that's all gone. So I think just giving her that she made, she did something that was out of her comfort zone, gave her the confidence to keep on going. So was, I was, was glad a gal who was uh, in her early 70s or early 20s. I mean, uh, let's, let's paint a picture as uh, who we're, who we're dealing with. She probably, if I had to guess, was in her 50s. And I hope she's listening okay. and I hope I didn't get that wrong. Um, I don't think she was older, and but she definitely wasn't in her 20s. So um, no, who knows? What I'm, what I'm I'm kind of getting at here is is if you're a little bit longer in the tooth, you have a little bit more uh, of that emotional fortitude, um, and and things aren't going to swing that pendulum quite as far. And and so you were uh, probably a lot easier had she you know had she been 19, 20 years old, probably would have had a lot harder time bringing her back to reality than somebody who's uh, you know been around the block a couple of times and that and a good point. you know has a little bit firmer grasp on common sense and. And what is real and what's not. And fear can very much roll out of control 
and and get you into a into a realm of you know not really knowing what's real and, and what's not. And I'm not talking about suddenly that that pine tree is turning into a purple dinosaur. I'm just <laughs> talking about you're, you're blowing things out of proportion uh, and you're yeah. not making proper you know proper decisions. Well, and I think too when you deal with something like that, you have to realize that their experience or their monumental event. We we looked at that as it's a simple thing. It's up around, turn around, come back down. But putting ourselves back in that newbie position of, you know, That's this is you, real for these yeah. people. You know, it's important. So you got to start somewhere in jeeping, and I'm I'm glad we're able well, to do that. And, and like so. like you touched on, you likely could have changed this woman for the rest of her life, mm-hmm. instilling a level of confidence in in her that for you know lack of uh, of anything could, could not have come from anywhere else. Had right. to have been put into that kind of a situation and gotten through it herself in order mm-hmm. to to really bolster that self-confidence and bring her up to that next level. And I, I honestly think that that's what you did. You should be a very, very proud of yourself. And this is very much an inspirational story. Wendy, yeah. you should okay. always uh, tell them gravity's on your side. You won't get this wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to come down. One way or another. One no, way uh, or another. I was, those I'll, are not the words to say. <laughs> okay, was, Tony, uh, thank you for that. If, yes. you've, uh, if you've ever gone up on a roof, maybe you got a ladder and the ladder doesn't go all the way, all the way to the right. edge of the roof. But, you, you you know, it's no problem. You see that you can just get right from that ladder to the roof and sure. get up there and do what you need to do and so on and so forth. All while I don't care who this you are. I can't care who you are when you're taking that leg and you're shimmying on the side of that roof and uh-huh. you check the ladder still there, but now you can't yeah. see it and you're uh-huh. trying to get your foot on the ladder and you know that it's like going to be like another eighth of an inch before you feel the ladder and you just have to go for it. That's yeah. kind of like what you're talking about here if you're not used to it. And it's it's a it's a feeling of, my God, I hope this works out. <laughs> <laughs> My well, wife. Half the yeah. people listening right now ha- ha- are reaching out to that imaginary ladder with their foot as we speak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like very it's, it's a strange feeling, and it's even worse whenever you're up higher and you're in a vehicle uh, because you know you're concerned for your vehicle occupants and all the hard work that you've done. So oh, yeah. it's a very re- real fear, uh, feeling of fear. It's 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 yeah. really something else, but you can get used to it. No, it's definitely something you used to. Well, if you have a topic or suggestion for newbie nuggets, reach out and let us know your newbie story. And if you want more info, check out my YouTube channel at Trails411 with more tips, tricks, and techniques. You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. That's right. It's time for more Jeep Talk Show Gladiator uh, update information. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, about uh, being tased tonight. Now, how many out there know uh, about uh, the the Taser, specifically the Taser Mini from Z Don't Automotive? Don't tase me, bro! Don't exactly, tase me, bro. exactly. <laughs> I put my hands up. Don't tase me. Oh, he, it's bro. I thought you. I thought he was saying, "Don't tase me, low." Which bro <laughs> makes uh, low makes more sense to me. But anyway, <laughs> leave it to Tony to make. Leave it, it to Tony. Always out. thinking below the belt. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. So uh, I have uh, been notified that the uh, the 35 inch tires should be uh, coming soon, and uh, that's enough of a reason for me to spend three hundred dollars on something. So I went out and purchased. Well, there's some other things that uh, this uh, Taser Mini uh, lets you modify your. Uh, well, I'm not actually sure the all the models, but certainly the the Jeep JL and the the Jeep uh, JT models. 
uh, for this particular uh, Taser Mini. I don't know why no. they chose the name Taser, but it's 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 a little uh, like a you know it's like Super Chips that type thing. It's not from Super it's Chips. It's a programmer. It's it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's an ECU reprogrammer more or less. Uh, it doesn't necessarily flash the ECU, but uh, this but one you actually marries adjustments. in with the with the computer system, so you can actually make changes. Uh, on the fly using the uh, buttons on your steering steering wheel. So this oh, is yeah, it's very unusual in, in my perspective. There's no external uh, little uh, like bully dog would have a little external thing for their diesels. Yeah, usually it's something that you plug into the you know the the data port or right. something like that, where it it then you know interfaces with the with the computer through through that way. How how is this done? Is it something that you load into the firmware of the vehicle, or how's that work? Are you familiar with the the security uh, device on the uh, the JL or the JT? They have a little thing that scrambles the uh, CAN bus system, and that way you can't take over uh, the functions. Like you like the thing you wrote, uh, uh, read about the uh, the UConnect, where they uh, they hacked into the uh, uh, the Cherokee uh, while it was driving, like almost like a firewall. Uh, yeah, and they have one of these in the JLs and the JT, and you unplug it. I, you know, this makes great sense. You unplug it from the firewall <laughs> and plug this thing in. So you removes the security so the taser can work, and okay. uh, if you can get over that fear factor a bit, uh, now there are there are there are uh, uh, Jeep uh, type things that you can set, and then there are live uh, things that you can set. The live things require the taser mini to be co- uh, connected up all the time. The uh, the Jeep specific or hardware specific ones you can plug it in, make the changes, and then unplug it, and they'll they'll remain set in there. But uh, Even if you replug in the the factory security unit, yes, does that overwrite what you change? My understanding is is that you can put it there, uh, put it in there, do these uh, like the tire size. You can change okay. the tire size. You can change the uh, the the ratio of the transfer case. You can change the axle ratio. Uh, does doing this void your warranty? Uh, you're supposed to be able to unmarry it, and then there are no traces left. So uh-huh. uh, the answer is yes. If uh, pr- no. probably yes, <laughs> if they can prove it, as long it. as you don't get caught. <laughs> <laughs> so it it really gives you some really neat features. Now it is a bit obscure uh, because you you use the center dash uh, screen to go through and make the 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 changes. So a lot of it's e- abbreviated and doesn't make a lot of sense. So you have to actually have the manual. Yes. I I had say, to have the it manual. sounds like there's some RTFM oh, that's involved and even, here. And even at the manual, it's not really clear. They don't tell show you what's on the screen and what it means and what it does, and it's a, a little confusing. Needless to say, yeah, needless to say, when I found that the Rubicon splash screen at the, the Jeep startup was available, I put that on the display. So now when I start up my Sport S, it comes with a nice little Rubicon display. Rubicon. <laughs> <laughs> And Jesus is watching, I know. But you, you sure are a poser. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I got it and uh one of the cool features, uh I could go on and on about this, but I'm I'm promising myself to keep it short. One of the cool features that you would think that Jeep might actually include is the ability for the rear backup camera to come on whenever you're changing lanes. But that's a feature in the taser that you can turn on. So if you're cruising down the road and you go to make a left or right-hand turn and, you, and you're a weird person that uses your, your signals, the backup camera will actually come on. And because of its uh, concave nature, it can give you quite a bit of view back there about other vehicles, uh, maybe in your blind spot. 
So got that turned on and also to have the uh, auto stop uh, function uh, disabled. So, well, specifically it remembers from the last time you drove your Jeep. Uh, right now, whenever you get in on the JT or JL, the auto stop feature resets every time. So if you don't yeah, remember to turn it off. I hate that button. Yeah. If you don't remember to turn feature. it off. Oh, and I did find that you can, if, when it does, when the engine does turn off, you can press that button and it'll start right back up. So you don't have to actually, you know, take your foot off the brake or anything. You can just tell it, nah. I'm sorry. If I had that, the first thing I'd do is find that manual, find out how to disconnect that sucker and turn it off. I hate that thing. Uh, I think that you can do it if you uh, if you disable the hood latch. Uh, not the hood latch, the hood sensor. So if you unplug the hood sensor, don't and, and look this up, people, before you do it. But if you disconnect that hood sensor, it thinks the hood's open, and I, I guess it's it, they, it knows not to stop the engine while you're driving around without a hood. <laughs> That's the only thing I can figure. Anyway, it's, it's too a, much. Too much technology. Yeah, it, it really is. And I got, and I told my wife, I said, well, you know, I can't think of any reason why you'd press a button on one side of the steering wheel and a button on the other side of the steering wheel. But when it happens, just give me a call. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> she's going to go in there and change something. She's going to go and. Why does it not start? Everything I don't get it. Everything's in Japanese. I don't get it. Well, yeah. it, it does have a winch setting. So just by pressing one button on one side of the steering wheel and the opposite <laughs> button on the opposite side of the wheel, it will raise your uh, your idle RPM oh, up to okay. two thousand RPM. So Whoa, when you're, that's a bit high. So when <laughs> okay. it's adjustable, uh, but I'm sorry, uh, I'm laughing. You can, no, no, it's it's fine. You can. I could just can, see some things. This could go wrong a lot yes, of ways here. Yes, I'm the, sorry. I don't know. The engine's running really high. I'm trying to go, uh, I, and it's just jerking when I go let the foot off. <laughs> I feel bad for your wife. I don't understand what's happening to the witch. It's like strung out on the road somewhere. Yeah, well, oh. well, fortunately, this is just to increase the the RPM so that the alternator voltage like, goes higher. I mean, you know, what's you, next? You know, push this button; it automatically hooks up to the car you need to pull out. I mean, what's going on here? It's like the Batman thing. I'd love to have <laughs> one of those where it goes. Oh yeah, <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> I've hooked me a I've hooked me a Prius, Captain. Wheeler in. <laughs> so anyway, there is a, a lot of features there. I don't know if it's worth three hundred and twenty nine dollars, but it will be really easy for me to set uh, the uh, the wheel diameter. Whenever I get those 35s on there, oh, and, and, if, nice. and if you don't already know this, you should actually measure the diameter of the wheels because they don't just let you put in round numbers. They let you put in fractions. So uh, this, I think you, you mean tires, not wheels. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the wheel-tire combo. Uh, right. I, yeah, I, I go back and forth on that all the time. Necessarily mean a thirty, a true thirty-seven. It, most actually, tires don't come in true sizes. Actually, it'd be yeah. Actually, it'd be really fun to put in uh, seventeen inches in there for the wheel size and uh, for the tire size and see what happens. But uh, the, the speedometer would be really cool. Uh, but uh, transfer case ratio. So if you were to change out the transfer case, uh, you know, to an Atlas, or maybe you got a Rubicon transfer case, you you uh, wedged in there, you could change that. So it makes oh. it really nice, and it's a lot easier than, uh, say, it was on our XJs, uh, Josh, where you actually have to change out a, a multi-tooth gear uh, in the transfer case to make adjustments for the, uh, now the your, changes you Your made. Jeep came with, a, you got the max tow package, right? Yes. Did that come with a like a tow haul mode that you that you press on the on the dash or in the instrument cluster or something like that, to where it drops your, your gear ratios or turns off the, uh, the overdrive or, or something like that? Negative. Interesting. Nothing like that. 
uh, there is a setting inside the uh, the taser for a tow package or not. So it must make some difference. Uh, I don't know what, though. So there's a plethora of things that you can change there. Those are just a few. So uh, we'll be talking more about that. And real quick, before I forget about it, uh, the Jeep Talk Show is having a Jeep Talk Show Texas uh, off-road event coming up on July the 10th. Uh, We already have several people that are interested in coming out. I believe we have about uh, six to eight people that have uh, said they're going to be there. But uh, as we all know, you never know who's going to be there until the the day of the event. Uh, Things come up, people change their minds, so on and so forth. Uh, But we would love to have you come out there. Uh, I uh, I feel certain I'll have the two-inch Mopar lift on my Jeep. I don't know if I'll have the 35s on it by July 10th or not. So... Uh, but it'll be really cool if we do because that will mean I can be mm-hmm. do a little more off roading than yeah, uh, than what I've what I've already done out there. Yeah. So if you're interested in that, you need to go over to Facebook uh, the, and uh, go to Facebook slash Jeep Talk Show, Facebook.com slash Jeep Talk Show. Look for the events, and we'd really appreciate it if you'd actually go in there and sign up if you're going or not, uh, because uh, I've got a couple of companies that may be interested in coming out. If uh, depending on what the headcount is, yeah, that'd which be I was, awesome. Which I was amazed at. I just included them because of their uh, the, our, our, our partnership, if you will, loosely saying our partnership uh, between them and the show. And I just wanted to include them if they wanted to come out for some reason. Uh, I'm certainly happy for them to to push their wares. Uh, but uh, I think it'd really, really, really neat to have uh, have uh, companies coming out to our first event. And I'm sure it won't be a. We'll probably get more people uh, in, in the second, and third event. Oh, and one more thing, I did mention that they only allow a limited number of people in Hidden Falls Adventure Park uh, on uh, on Saturday. It's not a, an actual event, so we don't like get the whole park. Uh, I got a little clarification today from uh, from Carrie uh, Hidden Falls Adventure Park, and she says if you're there by eight or nine. It's a, it's a virtual guarantee that you're going to get in on the park. The cool. people that get turned away are more the people that come in the afternoon and the park is already full. They don't have right. a set number. They just kind of go by a general feel about how much parking they have for uh, tow rigs and uh, other things. Uh, yeah. You know, how many of uh, the, the, the camp campsite there the, that are used, that type of thing. So if you're there by 8 or 9 o'clock in the morning, you should be okay. Hello, Jeep Talk Show. This is Mike Zen. Now, before I say the phrase that pays, I want to say, first of all, uh, thank you to all the military vets out there for your services. You guys are truly the heroes of this country. Now, the phrase that pays, bridging the gap, the steering wheel on the wrong side of the Jeep. Um, I think uh, that's uh, the whole Jeep thing with the wrong side of the Jeep, uh, wrong side of the the steering wheel being on the wrong side, uh, it's actually pretty cool. Now, um, I am a... Uh, drive test examiner for the Department of Motor Vehicles, and I actually had an opportunity to um, be in one of these teams. And uh, it was kind of funny because I, you know, I tell the applicant, applicant, I need you on the driver's side, and the applicant says, I am. And when I peeked in, it was kind of <laughs> funny seeing the steering on the opposite uh, side, so I was like laughing, but it was actually pretty cool. And um, kind of made me think, like, I wonder what how, this, uh, how easy it is to control a manual transmission uh, steering wheel with the wrong, on the wrong side. But anyway, now to official uh, agent business here. Now, um, I am going to be doing some more tagging this weekend. Hopefully I get some uh, footage on the actions on the East Jeepers. And uh, if I get some pretty good uh, action, reactions, I'm going to put it on YouTube. And if anybody's interested, my YouTube channel is Jeep Zentox. 
So the Zentalk is spelled Z-E-N-T-O-K-S. And uh, hopefully I get some good reactions where I can put that video up and, uh, and share it with you guys. All right. Well, hopefully I'm the 22nd caller, and uh, you guys have a great time. All right. Bye. I love how he says on the wrong side of the Jeep. The, the steering yeah. was on the wrong side of the Jeep. <laughs> we need to get this guy talking about the metric system. Love that. So uh, I was trying to look up Mike Zen's YouTube channel there really quick. I was going to uh, give him a quick subscribe there, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to look that up. Though. I ran out of time real quick. So I got something to share with you guys. Um, now, last week I couldn't be on the show, but uh, I don't, can't remember if it was Thursday or Friday that this came in. I finally got my Rubicon. <gasps> it came in one box. <laughs> well, it's as soon as my camera catches up there. There you go. So I finally got my Lego Technic Rubicon that I was talking about a couple few episodes back. Um, this was a uh, sort of special edition, limited edition uh, Jeep uh, Lego Technic kit. Um, I'd like to have this maybe signed by somebody at Jeep. That would be kind of cool. I'm debating on whether or not I'm actually going to open this up. I'm debating on whether or not I'm going to use this for a giveaway on the show in the near future. Uh, I may get a couple more uh, to do that very thing with, maybe keep this one for myself and, and set it up mm-hmm. here in the studio. I, I, I really don't know what I'm doing with this yet, but... Um, the show has some some big stuff coming up in the very near future, uh, and I'm not going to really say much more about that right here and right now. But um, but a giveaway I think is going to be uh, going to be in order, and and I, I may or may not in- include this in in that. But uh, but nonetheless, uh, this did come. Um, I am very impressed with uh, the the fit and feel of of the box and the pictures on it and everything else. And if the pictures do what is inside any justice then uh, I'm going to be very excited to, uh, to put this thing together and play with it. So uh, I know I'm, I'm channeling my inner 12-year-old. I think anyway, you need to because uh, just so you guys know, Chad, <laughs> uh, Chad who called in last week, Chad and Vicky, they, he actually is, uh, he posts all this Lego stuff that he's building and he did that Jeep. So oh, Josh, right you should on. do it. Looks like it's fun. Yeah. It needs to be signed yeah, by Mike Banley. Mike oh, Banley. I'd love to have this signed by Mike Banley. <laughs> that would be just cooler than all heck. But, uh, but yeah, no, so I actually had to keep some friends away. I had some, uh, some friends pop in out of town, uh, and they're like, oh, we should put this together right now. And I'm like, yeah. get your hands <laughs> off of that. No, we're not doing that Don't right touch now. It. <laughs> you should have bought so two. I know, one to give I, I away know. and one I, to play with. I definitely should have bought two. They, they were, you know, I wasn't, they were back ordered. I wasn't even sure when I was going to get this or if. Um, and so that's why I was just sort of testing the waters. I'm definitely, now that this has arrived, uh, I'm going to put in an order for at least one more. Um, and, and, and see, and see, you know, when that comes, hopefully it won't be, uh, you know, six weeks like this one was. So, but I know there was a couple other listeners out there that, uh, that, uh, picked one of these up around the same time that I did. And I think we were, we were talking about sort of, you know, half-ass playing around as, as to who can get theirs done first. Uh, exactly. I, I'm probably going to order another one before I tear into this one. I want to get at least one more, uh, here before I start tearing into one and, and, and building it. So, uh, but with that said, nonetheless, I hope that uh, others out there, when I was talking about this kit on uh, on uh, on the Jeep Talk Show, uh, that you guys took advantage of of it and and got yourself one as well. Uh, if you did and you got yours, I'd be curious to see um, you know what you think of it. Uh, if you've put it together net, uh, yet or not, um, I'd love to see some pictures. Uh, so you know, post them up on our Facebook page and, and let's see what you got. I'd love to see uh, see how things turned out for you. 
Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've been listening to you guys for free for, I don't know, years now. And I figure I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out. And, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on. Because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit? All right, you rat bastards. And if you don't already know, a rat bastard is somebody that listens to the Jeep Talk Show for free. I know everybody does it, but do you really feel good about yourself doing it? <laughs> I actually shouldn't tease you guys like that because we do uh, get a lot of uh, comments from people like, "Still, I'm still a rat bastard. I know I need to subscribe. I've been listening for years. Really enjoy the show. And I always tell them, just tell 10 people. Just tell 10 other people about the show. All you got to do. And uh, don't worry about it. You know, uh, if, you, if you'd like to be a paid subscriber and help us, uh, especially like with these upcoming events and things that uh, Josh and Wendy will be doing out in uh, their areas of the, of the world, it just helps us uh, pay for, you know, goodies that we can hand out and so on and so forth like that. So if you want to help us do that, then uh, go over there and do that paid subscription, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Just scroll on down there and you'll see where you can be a paid subscriber. Also, too, if you're interested in being part of the uh, Rat Bastard uh, program, it's the uh, being an infection agent and actually tagging uh, jeeps uh, with uh, with rats and uh, you know infecting them so to speak uh, you can buy a, a rat bastard uh, tagging kit a tow tag kit uh, same place where you would subscribe just uh, scroll down a little bit and you'll see how you can uh, spend eight bucks and uh, get uh, 20 of those tags and how you would go about ordering the uh, the rats from uh, from Amazon or frankly any place you'd like to get them from so uh, just do that, and uh, you don't have to stop being a rat bastard. You can uh, be a rat bastard even if you're a paid subscriber. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I just caught episode 494 where uh, Tammy talked about campground etiquette. And all I have to say is, holy guacamole, oh, shut the front door. I cannot believe I'm just now finding out that the globs of hair in the drain can actually stick to the wall. <laughs> this is a life changer. I'm going to go see if it works right now. I know Tammy likes to pull my leg sometimes. A few moments later. Holy crap. It, it works. It's six. I can't wait till Wendy gets home to see this. This is a life changer. I haven't felt this empowered since Wendy told me to stop impersonating flamingos. Yeah, I had to put my foot down on that, too. <laughs> what can I say? You got to think on that one. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. I did not have to think on that one. I got it immediately. Immediately. <laughs> Although I did not see it coming. I've been hearing on the news there's some really great deals to be had on trade-ins. Yeah, Tony, thank you. First of all, my name is Chris Godwin. I'm the owner of South Fork Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. And, Tony, we really thank you for your business. It was not just us selling a vehicle or you buying one. We were able to build a strong relationship, and I'm glad that uh, we're now together and talking about Jeeps. But, yeah, the world news, if you've heard it, is talking about if you have an extra car in your driveway or you want to trade, now is the time, whether you want to sell it outright to South Fork Dodge or you want to uh, trade traded in for a new one. Inventory is tight, but we have plenty of it because of our new Jeep facility. So if you're wanting to buy a new Jeep, Dodge Ram, any of it, come see me and I can guarantee you an outstanding value on your vehicle right now. With tight new car markets, that makes used car trades.
trade-ins where there's no off-leases coming to the dealership, so we have to get them from customers, and that means paying top dollar. Man, that's great. I am enjoying the hell out of my Gladiator, Chris, and I thank you for making it such a wonderful experience. To go over to South Fork, Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, uh, located in uh, Manville, Texas? Manville, Pearland. Most people say Pearland. It's at 288 and Magnolia Drive, right? One exit past 518 in the Pearland Town Center. Call 1-800-LOW-PRICE. Ask for Chris, the owner. I'd be glad to take care of you. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I can... It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! You know, from time to time, I like to showcase a few ingenious ideas that make owning a Jeep easier or more fun. Sometimes it's uh, something that will be just the thing to make the Jeep that much more your own Jeep. So this week, I've put together three little things or so that may have you saying, why didn't I think of that? Now, first up is one that many of us will find useful. It involves using foam pipe insulation. Uh, you know, the stuff that you'd uh, you know put around pipes uh, in your crawl space to keep them from freezing. Tony knows nothing about this. Now, you, you want to <laughs> cut these to length to fill the gap between the seat and the center console. No more lost french fries or having to pull the Jeep over because a cell phone found its way into that no man's land. Oh my gosh, After that's all, perfect. If, if all you're doing is a beer run, well, then keep those half-rack six-packs and full cases from sliding around the back area of your Jeep by putting down some non-slip rug mats. Now, sometimes you can find the same stuff marketed as toolbox drawer liners or non-slip cupboard liners. It's basically lacy foam rubber, and for a few bucks, a, a few square feet of it fits in the back of your cargo area, and it will keep anything that you put back there nice and stay put. Now, I'm going to talk about the rear view mirror flip. A lot of you new Jeepers probably have no idea what I'm talking about. And those of you who have been around the block a few times, or maybe you're on your second or third Jeep or more, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's been a while since we've talked about this one, but for lifted vehicles that do not have a smart mirror for the rear view mirror, simply rotate it 180 degrees. That's it. It puts the center line of the mirror much higher so that you can actually see better behind you and a little bit more down by, by you know what's underneath the spare tire back there or something like that. Now, for you Wrangler owners always finding small rocks between your fenders and body, well, here's a simple hack to eliminate that void. Use some cheap rubber vacuum line from your local parts store. It runs on average about well, 50 cents a foot or less, so it's super cheap but highly effective. And what you're going to do with it well, you're going to want the quarter-inch diameter stuff for first off, but you're going to use uh, something like a shoelace to kind of figure out how much you're going to need. Um, and you're going to the shoelace will mimic the vacuum line, and you can use a tape measure to figure out how long your shoelace is, and then you can figure out well how much tubing you're actually going to need. And once you have the tubing, simply pinch it and tuck it into the seam in between the fender plastic and the metal of the body. Suddenly, no more trapped rocks or sand or gravel or anything else getting in there and messing up your paint. And since it's rubber, it will form easily and seals that area up nicely. It even looks like a factory option. Just be careful going through one of those drive through car washes, though, with these things. They may get caught by a bristle and be ripped out. No worries, though. It's super cheap and uh, easy to replace. So, go for it. Wow, I really like the uh, the first one you had about putting the uh, foam pipe insulation in. It's a perfect idea. I mean, the seat, there's like enough of a gap that everything falls down there. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, now, uh, the last couple few years, there's been some manufacturers out there making these, you know, pre-molded, uh, pre-fit trays that you kind of wedge in there that will catch things. Yeah, eh, I've seen that. Those are okay, I suppose. The plastic will deform after a while. They are relatively expensive considering what you get. And considering the alternative, uh, which is, you know, foam insulation, 
uh, which is about, I don't know, a buck for 10 feet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, exactly. You know, now those of you in, you know, maybe Arizona or Louisiana or something like that may have a harder time finding this stuff because you're just not in the region where this sort of stuff is, is needed. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not sold there or you can't find it online through like a Home Depot.com or, or Lowe's.com, you know, something like that. Uh, online purchase would certainly get you there. Uh, but, you know, for the price difference, goodness gracious, it's kind of a no-brainer, and uh, uh, you're never really going to see it. It's going to blend into the interior. You're not going to know it's there, but when it works, and and suddenly you're not, you know, diving your head in between your lap trying to look for that cell phone, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll have paid for itself. So, Josh, yeah. on the the tubing, uh, the rubber tubing for the Wrangler owners, is that on the top of the fender? The it fender is, flare? yeah. So okay. Right on the very, on the very top line. Uh, so pretty much right where that fender meets the meets the body itself, yeah. uh, and there's going to be you know kind of like a little V group, you know, a little V where the body comes down, but the fender meets up to it. It's not a straight right angle. There's a little bit um, of a ditch right there, if you will, and and this will fill that in and and prevent rocks and sand and other debris from getting caught in there. Uh, and if you were to ever upgrade your fenders, uh, you're not going to have those nasty lines that would be left behind from the paint being rubbed away. Yeah, I just want to make sure that's in the JL, that's in the JTs. That I think that uh, that happened. I think the the uh, and Wendy, I, you'll you'll probably know this. That the the JKs, the JKUs, it's more of a, a flush. Uh, yeah, a bit between mm -hmm. the two, right? Yeah, that was yes. one of the things. Then that's the reason why it just uh, in the show notes here it just said Wrangler, and I wasn't sure if you were talking about the the new one or not uh, because uh, that was one of the things I learned about it. It kind of looks neat, but it's really not a great design for exactly mm -hmm. the reason you mentioned. It's it's yeah. a very easy thing to get. Uh, things trapped in there so yeah that's a that's a great thing to do and, and stuff like that if you're detailing the ride and I mean, it's going to be hard as hell to try and get wax out from underneath there without you know getting in there with your pinky or a spatula or something like that so yeah this will uh, it'll make detailing yeah, a lot you just too. just take all the fenders off and uh, the bumper you know, and that's uh, all you got to do yeah just, just pull everything <laughs> apart <laughs> Well, cool. I'm glad you guys found some value to this. If you have anything to add, maybe you have a question for Tech Talk, well, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. All right, Tony. This is Barton from Salt, from Utah, Salt Lake, Utah. I've been listening to your your trouble with your overheating with your XJ for years now. Oh, you've heard about that. And honestly, <laughs> sounds like you've got problems with your airflow. What you need to do Take the ribbon, tie them onto your bump bumper. <laughs> My wife complains about that. I know that you got that fancy off-road bumper with all those lights on it. Tie some ribbon on it, put a GoPro up front where you can watch the ribbons with the GoPro. I'm willing to bet that you've got a big old dead spot right where your bumper is. And that's going to be a big difference for your airflow. As soon as you get issues, Make that correction, get from your airflow through your bumper. You should be able to get your air, your temperature down, and that's where it's not going to overheat. Now, yes, a three a three pass or a three core um, radiator will help and is needed in those X shapes. But the biggest issue is when people put off their bumpers on. They cut off a lot of airflow through the, the front end of their vehicle, through their radiator. I hope this helps, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. So, and, and Josh can attest to this, um, great, well-meaning people have uh, given me ideas for the last 10 years 
that that are great ideas, but uh, they're the same ideas. the The only thing that I've heard new in probably seven years is a guy uh, changing a, a single flow, a single pass flow radiator to a triple pass flow radiator. <laughs> so Is that uh, two? I think that was two episodes ago, right, Tony? Or was I believe, it three? I believe yeah. that's right. I believe it's right. Uh, and uh, so, uh, it, it, just like I've mentioned before, when people start talking about the bumper and the lights and the winch and that sheet of cardboard that I have stuck across the front nose, uh, it, it, it did all the same thing. It did exactly the same thing, even without the bumper, without the lights, without the winch, with the stock bumper that was on it. It ran hot on the highway. So, nope, sorry, great idea, makes sense, it's logical, but that's not it. Believe it, he's tried everything. <laughs> I think it's Twice. great that people want to keep, you know, helping, they, and that's the, yeah, that's no, the positive that's, that's of this. Jeeper spirit, though, come on. Absolutely. I mean, so they just want you to, to be able to enjoy your Jeep, Tony, and, and get off-road. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. exactly. off-road at a distance, because it does off-road fine. It's just getting there is the problem. <laughs> Hi, this is Alyssa. I'm a Jeep girl. Uh, my name's Chris. Adam. I'm from Minnesota. This is Sean from California. This is Scott. This is Kiki Rocha. This is Amber. This is Lindsay from Jackson, Mississippi, and I love my BFG. I love my BFG. I love my BFG. Love my BFG. I love my BFG. I love my BFG. I love my BFG. Especially on a red Jeep, because red Jeeps are sexy. Oh, I also no. love the detox. <laughs> I hope not too late. Oh, yeah. Ruined that whole promo with that one with single voicemail. That's it was red so Jeep. It is no longer tickle me pink. It's tinkle, tickle, tinkle, tinkle, tinkle me red. Oh, God, that feels <laughs> so good. Get that checked out. <laughs> From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Alrighty ho, boys and girls. It's time for another Jeep Talk Show interview. And tonight we've got Jason. And Jason's been working in an oil refinery lab for over eight years. I bet you smell like gas every time you go home, Jason. Uh, while he's a novice to the Jeep world, he and three others created the Gathering of Jeeps in their small town of Coffeyville. Is that Kansas? KS, is that Kansas? It is. Good. Uh, the beatings I got learning that when I was in elementary uh, from my parents uh, seemed to have paid off. Check them out on Facebook, Coffeyville Jeepers. He is an Eagle Scout, Scoutmaster of Troop 5 in Bartsville, Oklahoma. And I just got to tell you up, up front, Jason, I'm sorry for all the bad uh, uh, Boy Scout jokes I've been making on the show for years. <laughs> Especially about Scoutmasters. Uh, <laughs> and got in and he got into jeeping uh uh in the jeeping world late in 2015 you know it's better to, uh, better never than late no it's better late than never that's the way it goes that was what my electronics teacher told me when i got to got in the class late uh 2008 jku sierra rescue green i've never heard of rescue green we're going to talk about that uh the i guess you call it the fate jeep uh, he performs more and more of his own maintenance now and encourages everyone to do, do the same. You know, Jason, it seems to me you're a very technical person. I'm surprised that you haven't been doing stuff on your Jeep from day one. 
Well, I haven't because I haven't had a Jeep since day one. <laughs> I've only had it in 2015. I did have, my first vehicle was a Chevy S10, and it started with an oil change, and now I'm replacing computer par parts and ball joints. Oh, ball joints. Now, see, you're talking about some real work on the ball joints because you got you got to take a lot of stuff off to get to that, and there's cursing involved. It's mandatory uh, and, a, and a big hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So let's uh, let's uh, start with your uh, with your Jeep. Okay, so first off, we already know the color. It's rescue green. How how in the world is, is that? What you call it, or is that what they called it? So it took me like five years to because I kept seeing this color of Jeep. They only came out with it, as far as I know, in like two years, like uh, in the seven and eight, and maybe in the nine. And I didn't know what the heck it was called. And I keep looking up and I find that really bright gecko green. I see a really deep forest green. And then they came out with that really muddy green that's called tank green. And I had no idea what color mine was. I've seen it called two different things. One is citron pearl, which is an interesting name, but I guess it makes sense. And then I've seen that on my paperwork, it says rescue green. And then if you research rescue green, it does come up with that color. Well, this is really cool. I typed it into the browser, and I see what you mean. That is a, a nice looking green. I'm, a, a, I'm, I think I'm a little more of a military green or a forest green for a Jeep. But this, this is nice because it's, it's a, it's a darker color. But because of the way they've done it, I guess it's the pearl aspect of it. It, it kind of stands out, which is really neat. It's a, it's you say dark. I would actually almost call it light. And it, and what the thing I love about it is when you're driving at like sunset. It blends in with like the grass and the trees around you. If you go into the shade, it can be as dark as the evergreens. It's yeah. a it's a pretty neat color. You know what I love is whenever there's a, a vehicle of any kind, Jeep or whatever, and it's the exact same gray as the the weather around you, the darkness and the weather, mm -hmm. and they're driving with the lights off. So the the spray from the rain and everything, you just can't see it. It's 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 totally oblivious to anything that's out there on the vehicle. I'm sure you turn the lights on though whenever you're blending in with the uh, with the foliage. Uh, yes, I do. I have lots of lights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you say you have lots of lights on it? I I just put on four pods on the windshield uh, this summer. And those are pretty nice because I hit less deer that way. Well, you know, uh, the <laughs> the listeners here give me a hard time because I love lights. The brighter, the more of them, everything. It's just so much fun. Uh, I actually think I'm going to go a different direction with the uh, the JT. Uh, I don't think I'm going to put uh, as many lights, although I may build a light bar uh, like I built for my XJ and put it on there. But but anyway, I digress. So <laughs> you're, you're loving this. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, did you get this brand new? uh no no it's so a 2008 got, and, the, and you only got one in 2015 so so you correct. actually had to search the used world for this thing kinda that's not i wasn't really searching <laughs> it's kind of what happened uh -huh. and that's why i kind of call it the fate jeep a little bit uh yeah so if you want to know the whole story on yeah, that i was just happened to ride my old antique motorcycle around bartlesville oklahoma as one does and I go up to a dealership, the Bartlesville um, Chrysler Dodge Jeep down there, and uh, go up and I told a guy, like I tell many other salesmen, is I just want to ride a Wrangler. I just like how they sit. I like how they ride. I like the aspect of what, what they can do and their capabilities. Uh, being a scout myself, I kind of like my vehicle to not get stuck. Um, and so I was like, I'm not looking to buy. 
I just want to ride a Jeep. And he's like, okay, so like, what would it take for you to buy one? I'm like, well, it's got to be late model because I'm not paying those sticker prices. So it's got to be a late model Jeep anyways. It's got to have the, the full um, four-door. I like the style of the coupe, but this is my only vehicle. So it's got to have the space. It's got to be that rescue green color. Um, it has to have the updated or like the bigger stereo system with the sub, and it has to have navigation. And he goes, well, heck, why don't you just come right around here? I think we just got a late model Jeep in. And sure enough, there it is. It is the four-door. It is the green. It has the navigation. It has the stereo so, system. So did you either say openly or to yourself, son of a bitch? <laughs> I was, it was pretty well open. It wasn't those exact words. <laughs> I wasn't was planning on buying. I just wanted to look, damn it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, looks like I'm trading in my Mercury Mariner. <laughs> oh, I think that's a good idea anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. The Mariner failed me a couple times, but I put it through places it shouldn't go. That is my fault. <laughs> so, and then, yeah, I ended up with the Jeep. I, I don't know how salesmen do this. And this is the thing that gets so many people into trouble uh, is I'm just going to look. <laughs> <laughs> so the only time it, it has not worked out that way for the salesman whenever i was involved was uh taking a, a test drive in a viper and i made it very yeah. very clear that i did not have the eighty thousand at the time because it was around two thousand i did not have sure. the eighty thousand dollars to spend on a viper so <laughs> i did not buy a viper but i still did a test drive it was great i bet uh but i love that style of car that yeah, is the yeah. most, that is sexiest car hmm. i wouldn't be but dead it, by now but somebody else would you know because that's the that's, would, that's the kid mentality <laughs> i'm yeah, in sure. i'm into trucks and jeeps for a good reason it's it's a save the public <laughs> yeah i rode one jeep in high school i was a friend's parents that let me let me ride in the old coupe tj and just loved it oh it's that a life-changing experience and there's a lot of people that uh, have have wanted jeeps um a lot of their lives and i feel really bad for the ones that don't get them so you know yeah. kudos to you for actually going out there and doing it my aunt had an old grand cherokee i believe it's the xj uh it did get stolen so that kind of was too bad if she only listened to your podcast early on <laughs> that wouldn't happen she well, has a new a one now my brother ha my older brother has the jeep grand cherokee right when they re um, redesigned to the new kind of body style that's a pretty sweet ride. Yep. It's not for me, but it's a nice ride. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, I guess it's, I mean, it's great that you wanted the rescue green, but I'm, I'm sure all our listeners are, are wondering, why didn't you get red? I mean, red's such an uh, easy choice. I knew that was coming up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like red because red is all of my emergency gears colored red. So, if everything's red, suddenly nothing is. <laughs> That's very <Okay>. true. <laughs> There well, well, if you see the vehicles out on the on the road, there's a lot of them that aren't red. I mean, I don't. And God bless you for not getting white. I know Wendy's getting upset with me, but white. I mean, Speaking oh of. my God. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a Jeep in my club that's got white. <laughs> I mean, that's fine, but it's just so you know plain. It's a, it's very much like the black Jeeps. I mean, black has a, has a certain elegant elegance to it, uh, but the the white is just so plain. Now, if you're going to put a wrap on it, it's the perfect color. There you go. Or non-color. Yeah. No kidding. 
We're all colors. However you want to describe white. Very true. Uh, reflecting uh, all of them, absorbing none. So let me uh, let me ask you this. Uh, I'm sure everybody is very interested in the oil refinery uh, lab work. And I believe you have some information on of, about various uh, grades of uh, fuel and the uh, uh, alcohol that gets in some and uh, no alcohol in others. Uh, can, can you tell us? I mean, I don't know where you'd like to start. Uh, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording. I mean, I know that I'm very curious about uh, the ethanol versus uh, the, the full non-alcohol containing gas and how well it performs in Jeeps. But you start where you think would be the best place to start. Um, well, I guess one of the first things is to see, like, number one, does your, does your vehicle even have flex fuel or not? Uh, if it, if it is flex fuel, then you're going to be really well covered in the ethanol part of it. Um, which I'll talk about a little bit later about additives. Uh, it's a big no, no, do not put additives in your gasoline. Do not put an octane booster. Um, it is actually in the Jeep manual page 366. If you want to look it up in the 2008 Wrangler where it says, um, oh, no, actually 338 is about additives and that the refineries, um, in the United States, we already do put in like nice additives and stuff that'll that um, to make sure it doesn't corrode the metal or oxidize the metal. We do silver, we do copper, and I don't. I uh, think the nace is actually stainless steel. I have to look at the method um, for sure, and that's not proprietary. This is actually a method that is approved like by all other refineries as well. They might not do the test exactly the same, but we really at the same time want to do it as much the same as possible so that you have gasoline to gasoline mm-hmm. um, and that it burns and that it doesn't corrode your motor. So, and that's one thing with ethanol So, is if you have an old vehicle, you've got to be really careful because ethanol will eat out the seals. Ooh, interesting. So here in Harris County, Texas, we uh, have that thing that the EPA requires us to have a certain grade of fuel, something, some additive, uh, I believe it's alcohol. I don't think it's I don't think it's E10. It may be, uh, but uh, it, it's it's one of the counties. I think all of California has it, or most of it does. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? I didn't do any research on this. I just I just know it's crap fuel for that we have to use in Harris County. So you have an uh, now. I'm in, in Kansas. We don't have an additive that we have to put in. I was looking in the manual, and it did say. Let me get to the right page on additives on. Uh, and I apologize. I figured this would be just right at the top of your uh, God, uh, top of your no, head because not, uh, not right at the top of mine. That's that's a new one. So you have to you have to add in something to the uh, the gasoline. It's not just a part of it. Well, they do it. Uh, it's uh, all the oh. gasoline that we have here has this additive to it, and I believe it's alcohol. I don't know that it's E10. Maybe it's E85 that I'm thinking about. But it's oh, uh, yeah. it's meant for uh, you know for for the, to be less smog, less pollution. And uh, oh, mm-hmm. le- less fun driving uh, is the way I like to put it. I um, did read that in the manual. Like during the winter time, there's a lot of estates that will implement that they will have to put in an alcoholic or like an oxygenated um, gasoline because it reduces the smog. Now, uh, definition real quick on like what is E10, what is E85? That is actually the percentage of alcohol. And so E10 is obviously 10% or less. So that's the thing. It could have 5% ethanol or less and it is ethanol it is not methanol uh there is a trace of it just so that we otherwise have to run into like an alcohol tax 
uh, because of liquor stores and stuff, oh. as far as I know. Uh, so that's kind of fun. And then E85 is actually, I looked this up uh, some time ago, so you can't quite quote me on it. And people can always Google search. It's an amazing thing. Uh, it's actually anything in between like 50% ethanol and 85%, I believe is the upper end. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah. we, we have to have a certain uh, a certain fuel mix for here in Harris County because of uh, uh, the smog and the EPA, yada yada yada. And uh, and I always hear that that's not good for the engine. It's uh, and it's definitely not good for your fuel uh, economy, your fuel mileage. That uh, if you can get outside, because I think that it's actually it's either one or two counties over before you can actually get the the good fuel, the the, the fuel that everybody else in the country can use that's not in a smog prone area. Uh, and uh, that that actually gives you better MPG and better performance. Is that a is that a misnomer? Is that or is that something that is true? Now with ethanol, you do get a decrease in your miles per gallon. So uh, I took it upon myself to drive two thousand miles, same pump, and then I also did exclusively E10 from the same company, same pump, and then I turned around. And after a couple flushes of the tank, make sure I didn't have any ethanol in there. With pure ethanol, I ran 2,600 miles. Um, again, that's all just pure gasoline. And I saw a difference uh, of an 8.8% drop in miles per gallon with the E10. So you do get less. So to me, as long as the price is, if the price difference isn't 8% or basically 10 uh, I'll always go pure gasoline because I'll actually get better fuel mileage. If you get better fuel mileage, you use less fuel, and it actually ends up being cheaper. Yeah, that's that, and that's what I wish we could do here. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, it's been that way for a long time. Now, right. I, I recently went over to uh, uh, Hidden Falls, uh, which is up around Marble, uh, Marble Falls, Texas, and I, I didn't, I don't remember looking at the pump, but it was my feeling that it, we were not. Uh, when I filled up over there, that we were on the uh, the the actual 100% gas. It's probably E10. E10 is probably what we have here. After what you've said, uh, and uh, I, I did not just at least on the uh, the MPG cal- uh, calculation through the ECU on the, uh, the on the Gladiator. I did not see a big difference. But then again, that's kind of the bad thing about MPG. You you may not see it immediately. That's why you have to. Uh, run your uh, mile per gallon calculation over a long period of time. Very right. driving various times, the temperature, the wind, all kinds of stuff. The type of driving that you're doing really can change it. But just uh, driving out there on, uh, I think it was E10, and then driving back on, 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 on I think, on, on regular fuel, I didn't see a significant difference. Right. And that's one thing I want to make sure I did this on a long study because my miles per gallon. So I'll tell you uh, one thing like real quick is the gasoline you buy in May is not the same gasoline you buy in December. Oh, interesting. Yes. So uh, which um, some gas stations have done this. They're like, oh, hey, seasonal blending to help make sure like you get better mile per gallon and stuff. And that is actually true. However, everyone does that. We just don't advertise it. Right. Yeah. Which I'll, I'll get into like uh, vapor pressure. So we're, we can, it's cheaper to put in a, a higher uh, or like a lighter end into the gasoline, but that does make it more or have a higher vapor pressure. So if you heat gasoline, you know how your gas tank expands. Right. Well, if you did, if you bought uh, one gallon of gasoline, like in the wintertime 
and then stored that all year. Through the hot summer months, you would lose more of the top end of that gasoline, whereas the summer months, it has a lower vapor pressure. So if it gets hot, it doesn't expand nearly as much. Obviously, if it goes through cold, it doesn't, it's not going to go anywhere. So if you keep um, gasoline you bought in like July or August year round, it will be close to the same gasoline that you first bought uh, versus if you bought it in December and just kept it six months. So what's the reasoning for uh, what's different in December than it was in July besides the heat? Well, that's basically it. And so the EPA mandates that like right now, um, the vapor pressure that we're blending to, which is a specification based off the pipeline that we're sending out, uh, it cannot be like greater than 10, um, which you'll look up. It's called RVP, read vapor pressure. Um, as well as like 10 pounds. Otherwise, in like the wintertime, uh, we blend like up to 15 and so, like, that's kind of a main thing, which there, again, is you'll never see that at the pump. The only thing you see is an octane number. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that got too <laughs> in-depth or not, but it's a quick Google search on RVP, uh, and then you can kind of see what that means, I suppose. Okay. Now, you mentioned earlier that uh, if you're putting this E10 uh, in vehicles, older vehicles, that you can actually... Uh, damage the seals what are we talking about older vehicles i mean i know it really just depends on uh the vehicle the manufacturers but just generally speaking like for example i've got a 98 jeep cherokee are we talking about something would that be a a, an old enough vehicle where it it could damage that vehicle or are we talking about something from the 60s 70s uh well i am not a machinist by any means and those are a little bit before my time however um, I would just be safe and make sure you don't run ethanol. Now, running the E10 is at a low enough percentage. You'll see maybe a slow degradation. It's not going to be like really fast as if you ran like E85 or higher ethanol in your gasoline uh, or in your motor. Um, so I have a 1975 Honda motorcycle, and I make sure to only put in pure gasoline in it because I'm just afraid it will eat the seals and the hoses just because I didn't have it back then uh, besides the lead. (laughs) Yeah, good old lead. Boy, you know, gasoline used to smell pretty good too. Uh, You weren't supposed to... We still make leaded gasoline. Oh, really? Uh, Yes. Now, not here, but actually like jet fuel or not jet fuel because that's actually a characteristic, but like fuel for airliners and fuel for jets will actually run gasoline just because of the high altitude and it makes the engine run smoother. Interesting. Yeah, I thought about making the comment about uh, if you've got a, a an airport close by, you could just uh, drive over there and fill up on some aviation <laughs> fuel. <laughs> yeah. I have not done the study on that, though, so I could not tell you how well that's going to work. Put some, put some nice 110 octane in your uh, in your Jeep. <laughs> don't, don't do that, uh, folks. Don't do that. Yeah, no, 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 no. In fact, that's in your owner's manual. <laughs> Uh, page 336 not to use 91 octane you need to use what your motor is designed for which is what well, mine's uh, the old uh, gosh darn 3.8 yeah um, yeah and it runs 87 and it's it says if you're going to run pure you're just going to spend your money faster well that's interesting uh, so they can literally design the engines to run on the the lower octane fuel, and I realize that yeah. uh, if you're if and you're building a race engine, you want the higher octane. But so there definitely is yeah. a difference. 
Yeah, for sure. So I know a lot of people that are like, oh, 91 is the best. And it's actually, no, it's, it's really not. Well, it depends. Best. It depends on your machine is what I'm hearing you say. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I meant specifically Jeeps. Sorry. I don't know Jeeps that take uh, stock Jeeps that take 91 octane. Gotcha. Well, the octane thing all has to do with how quickly it burns, doesn't it? Uh, well, kind of. That, so, that would probably be the, be the, the layman's uh, idea behind it or the, the layman's description that the, the 100 octane burns quicker. Or is it the other way around now? that I, It's been a long time since I looked at this. Uh, it's, what I remember reading was it, it was the speed at which it burned. The, the, and I thought it was faster for the higher octane, but maybe not. So the thing that I'm familiar with is with the compression of the motor, if you have a low octane, it will actually pre-ignite oh, and yeah. that causes your motor to knock. Yeah. And so the higher number actually makes it ignite less. Um, and so that's why you can have a higher compression motor that requires the 91 octane. Yeah. And then what's funny too is we run a test called gums where you basically have like a couple crucibles or whatever. You put the gasoline in it and then you burn it off, like let it wait. And 91 gasoline has higher gums than 87. So you need to be careful if you run it in a motor that it's not constantly circulating, your motor is more likely to gum up with the pure or the, um, 91 octane than it is the 87 oh, okay. so you might end up having even more problems with the 91 than the 87 okay well when you said gum i figured there was some industrial number or name or acronym or oh. something that you guys use you mean literally gums think gums yeah. the works up so <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's literally gummed up it's that is <laughs> that is the name of the test <laughs> as well well it's important yeah. because that you'd have a lot of pissed off customers if you if you had that uh, that issue Exactly. So, are there any other fuel mysteries that you can uh, enlighten us on? Uh, I mean, uh, working in the lab for over eight years, I'm sure you've seen some stuff. I just think I, I, maybe I, maybe I'm wrong about this, uh, or maybe you can't talk about it. But I'm just seeing a bunch of guys blowing stuff up whenever they get bored with uh, with the fuels. <laughs> uh, no, we don't purposely blow things up. Purposely, uh, I like have, that word. I, I like to watch is we actually have. For your motor or your octane number, you get this, what the, and it's called the M and R, like divided by two, is an average between what's called the motor and the research numbers. And the thing that I liked is we have a one-cylinder engine in the refinery that specifically measures one of those numbers. And so the motor number is an engine under load at a higher, uh, it is a higher revolution and it's at higher temperature and the research motor is like an engine at idle and so those will get you the two different octane numbers and then that's how we get like an average of 87 which is one thing we need to be careful of because it's an average you don't know if your numbers are like 86 and 88 where they're really close to 87 so then you're getting it all the time or they can be um, as far as now this isn't in my lab this is just an example um, uh, from like an 81 octane, which is be bad for your motor. And then at idle, it could be a 93, but that average is still 87. And so the number that you see on the, on, on your pumps is the average. There are some mowers that in the manual, it will tell you the minimum octane number and that you'll have to be very careful of. 
Interesting. I don't know how the common person will ever find that out as far as what octane is my gasoline at, but that is a thing in some mowers. Interesting. All right, Jason. Now, before we get uh, too far off uh, off the beaten track here, I want uh, and, <laughs> and I don't uh, remember to ask you about this. I wanted to talk to you about Coffeeville Jeepers, your uh, Facebook group, and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the Coffeeville Jeepers in Coffeeville, Kansas. What What do you guys do? How often do you guys get out? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we haven't been able to get off-roading nearly as much as any of us would like. Right now, we're all amping up our Jeeps so that we can. Uh, we've had an individual that came from California. His Jeep is totally ready to go. It makes us all really envious. And now he's basically waiting on all of us to put in GMRS radios and to lift them and put on bigger tires. So he's sitting really nice and patient. Shout out to <laughs> Lauren Moore for that. Uh, otherwise, we meet once a month in the beginning of the month. Uh, our days have been switching uh, just because we have only been around for about seven months, I believe. Maybe a tad longer than that. No, maybe it's almost been a year. Heck. Um, but we'll meet once a month. We'll meet in some parking lot. We'll convoy to some restaurant. And we've been to uh, fundraisers. We've been in the Christmas parade here, which was a lot of fun. Um and that's kind of just what we've been doing. We've been meeting really well every month. And then just talking about us, our Jeeps, what we want to do, what we want to upgrade. And then we do have a couple campouts planned out where we will plan on going off-roading soon. Well, now, Jason, uh, if you've been listening to the show here for very long, you know you don't have to modify your Jeep before taking it off-road. <laughs> Now I, I know everybody likes doing that. It's fun because you know you throw stuff on it. You you uh, spend the money. You work hard at getting stuff on there. Then you you want to go out there and, and try it out. Uh, but uh, you, you don't have to do it. Take the stock Jeep out there, and you might be really impressed that how well the stock Jeep will do over the the guy with the California Jeep that's all uh, major modified. Oh, and uh, for the GMRS radio, I'm glad to hear you guys are going to be doing doing the GMRS instead of CBs. Uh, I mean, CBs are fine. I just think they're noisy, and uh, you just don't get the uh, the range out of them. Uh, usually, due a lot to that noise, and the antennas are so long. But if you uh, if you I don't know if you know, but uh, or to remind our listeners, episode four ninety two, uh, stretch jeeps, fire danger, and tape. Uh, we interview uh, a, a, a I think his name was Zach from uh, from Midland MidlandUSA.com. Listen to that and hear what Midland thinks about GMRS. They're actually trying to get Jeepers to switch over to GMRS as well. It's just so nice. It is. Now, I love CB radio because I'll hit interstate with the Jeep, and to listen to people is more entertaining to me than oh, the radio. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as entertaining as the podcast, mind you, but it is pretty funny. I have seen and heard different semis actually pull pranks on drivers so that's really funny to listen to yeah otherwise there's a lot of us that are actually going to go the ham radio route as well sure well the and as a ham radio operator from for many many years i will tell you the great thing about gmrs is it's a lot like the two meter 70 centimeter uh, experience that you get with ham radio but without having to take a test to be able to, to use it so if you're in, if you are, if you have a bunch of hams or people that are interested in ham radio, then certainly go the two meter, 70 centimeter route. It's wonderful. It's a great hobby to get into. But the problem comes in on those, those folks that aren't real eager 
about doing the ham radio license, doing the test and get licensed. And GMRS uh, gets you into uh, virtually the exact same thing. It's actually in the same band for on 70, 70 centimeters, slightly difference in frequency. You're not going to be talking to ham radio operators on GMRS uh, on the ham bands. Uh, but uh, it allows those people that really aren't so eager in getting into ham but still have the ham experience in that uh, that frequency range. So that's one of the reasons why I like GMRS so much because you get the ham experience without having to take the test. Right, yeah. So I plan on keeping the CB. I do plan on getting a GMRS just for uh, convention until I do get my license. I've been postponing getting a radio in before I get my ham license just because, well, heck, if I already have the radio, what's to stop me from keying in except for myself? And I don't know if I have that much um, discipline. <laughs> so I've just been trying to stay away from it. But now with the GMRS, yeah, it's just a little fee and then uh, you're ready to rock. Yep. I will mention this and the other folks that were that may be thinking about it, the ham radio thing. Ham radio is nothing like CB. Uh, CBers won't don't really care if you have a license or not. Ham radio operators are very territorial of their frequencies, so it's not the FCC that's going to come find you when you're keying up on that microphone <laughs> on ham radios. It's the it's going to be the hams, and they're the ones that are going to be locating you, figuring out who you are, and turning you into the FCC. Doesn't mean anything's going to happen to you, but it's not going to be. It's not the same situation as CB. So. Uh, I just want to warn folks, don't don't think you can get off and do the CB stuff like you did on ham radio bands. You, you may get away with it. I'm not saying you you certainly will get caught, but it's not you're not going to be talking to anybody either So because hams aren't going to talk to you without a call. Anyway, uh, that's my public service announcement for ham radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, it sounds like, it sounds like you're well on your way, and uh, we're going to be looking forward to uh, seeing more from you. Oh, and speaking of that, you know how the kids today love that social media. Is there, uh, you got uh, your own Facebook. You got anything on uh, Instagram, anyplace else that you want, want people to find you at? No. <laughs> uh, that's fine, too. I think I've got an Instagram, but I haven't posted anything forever and i don't even know what my username could be so so is there anything for your group do you uh do you have an instagram for your group you certainly uh mentioned the facebook page uh coffeeville jeepers on on facebook uh you got anything else uh on any of the other social media platforms for coffeeville jeepers i don't believe so if someone's doing it it's unbeknownst to me all right well anyway people can uh can certainly look and that's uh coffeeville uh, Jeeper, C-O-F-F-E-Y-V-I-L-L-E. We'll have it in the show notes. And uh, check them out. And uh, if you're uh, if you're in that area or want to travel to there, that area, you can uh, poke Jason and uh, pry him out of his driveway and get him off-road in that, uh, that Jeep that uh, uh, maybe hasn't been modified. Jason, I'm telling you, if you wait till it's modified the way you like it, you'll never go <laughs> off-road. <laughs> it's been off road. It's just off road in circumstances that I won't do again. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how we learn. <laughs> yeah. Right. The hard way. Uh huh. Well, Jason, thank I you. It's my only vehicle, right? <laughs> so you got to be careful. That's the that. biggest deal. That's the biggest concern, especially when it's your daily driver. 
Uh, but yeah. but you'll learn quick enough uh, what you can get away with. Um, it's uh, uh, for hopefully you won't break anything. You won't go over that line. You'll just stay this side of it. But you'd be really amazed what those vehicles can take and and repeatedly. So, well, Jason, thank you so much for being with us uh, here tonight. I'm glad uh, that you uh, that you reached out about being on the show. And this should be uh, something that all you guys uh, think about. You don't have to be a business. You don't have to have a big group or something that you're trying to advertise. You just got a Jeep and you got a story and you want to talk about it. We love having everybody on. We love having the the big companies on, but we love having the everyday Jeeper because that's who you are. The everyday listener is just the everyday Jeeper, and we love hearing your stories. Jason, thanks again. We really appreciate it, and uh, uh, hopefully we can have you back on again, maybe uh, maybe with an off-road adventure. Yeah, that'd be nice. Thanks again. It was a a really neat pleasure to be on. All right. Have a great night. Yeah, you too. Well, thanks again to Jason Finley for coming on to the show to talk about his own Jeep story. Finally, somebody to come on the show to talk about their own Jeep story. Not really, though. And uh, being a chemist out there uh, in an oil field and stuff, we have to talk to you about uh, how to make a special blend for us Jeepers where we can actually get some decent MPGs out of these things. Anyways, (laughs) I digress. If you have an idea for a guest, or maybe you work in the off-road industry, or maybe you know somebody who does, we want to hear what you have to say. We're getting some great suggestions for guests, and uh, and of course, we would love to hear your Jeep story as well. Uh, if you'd like to be on the show, or you know somebody who does, please go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now, and share your idea for our next great guest. All right, Sammy. So, listen to your uh, camping hats, and with the hairball. It's got to be a woman thing. Because even at home, my wife always leaves her hair up on the wall. I don't know how many of the other men on here that watches the same thing. All right, good talking to you. Let's see you later. Bye. So you guys got to go back, uh, listen uh, last week if you missed it, where uh, Tammy was talking about, uh, uh, what is it, what was it, Wendy, camping uh, etiquette? Yeah. Uh, yeah, camping etiquette, exactly. Yeah, where you have those uh, those showers that you share, and mm-hmm. uh, how the number of times that she's uh, gone into a uh, uh, a shower and it starts filling up because there's all kinds of crap down in the drain because people don't too much hair clean up their stuff, and then they mm-hmm. actually put the hair globs on the uh, the shower wall. And uh, I don't know. I personally would just see how big it got. I wouldn't be cleaning it off. But then again, <laughs> I'm not. Women seem to think that it needs to be cleaned up. I'm going, you know, hey, if it's not making me sick, what do I care? Mm. Are you going to give it a name next? I got hug it and squeeze it and call it George. I, I would go with Dr. <laughs> Phil, you know, any, any big hairball would be Dr. Phil. You could start creating art with it on the walls. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Tony, Josh, Wendy, hey guys, how is everything? Yesterday, a guy came in the shop to ask about getting a lift on his truck. He and Neil and I talked for quite a while. This guy is a Navy vet who was in Afghanistan. He came to the valley, this small town USA, a place to get away from the hustle and bustle of people and city life. He is now thinking maybe this small town life is too much for him and is considering the hashtag van life or hashtag camper life. This kind of living is catching all over the world. Whether you live out of your vehicle for part of the year or all of the year 
or even a couple of years like Dan Greck with The Road Chose Me. There are a lot of things to think about when you do this. Now, if you are choosing RV living for a weekend or a month or longer, there are some things you need to consider when choosing an RV campground. Now, you can also RV primitive camp like on BLM lands and all of that. And that's a discussion for another time. But we're talking about choosing an RV campground. So here are Jeep Mama's top five tips when choosing a campground. First is location. This is broken down into two parts. First, the location of the campground, the RV campground. This will be dependent on each individual's needs and desires. So consider what you are looking for. Most of us want to be out in the middle of nature, and not all RV campgrounds are like that. Some are in the middle of towns or cities, or even actually alongside a highway. So research carefully and fully understand the physical location of the campground you choose. Second is the location of the actual site you choose. Most campgrounds have websites where you can book your campsite by looking at a map. Now these maps can be very deceiving. I suggest you look at the actual pictures they have on their websites. Check out the reviews on Google and Yelp. Maybe even call the campground. These maps can be very deceiving. Most places I have come across, the RV campers are pretty squished in there. You may even want to check out the satellite view. Sometimes you don't have an option, but at least you'll have a heads up of what you're getting yourself into. Third, amenities. We all have different needs like camp showers, dishwashing sinks, power hookups, swimming pools, Wi-Fi, you know, all that kind of stuff. But not all campgrounds are the same. And there's no rule that a campground must have a dishwashing sink or even electrical hookups for all the sites. So do your due diligence while researching your site to make sure they have the things you need or want. Fourth, if you are wanting to venture out of the campground on your journey, like head to the nearest town for dinner or to stop at the grocery store, make sure that that nearest town has those amenities. You would be surprised. And more importantly, check the hours of operations for those places. I came to this small town of Monte Vista, Del Norte area from living in a big city, the D.C. area. Things in D.C. are open 24 hours a day. Restaurants and bars are open till 11 p.m. or longer. Well, it came to a shock to me that most restaurants and grocery stores here are closed by 7 or 8 p.m. I've had to make some adjustments for sure. Even places are closed on those busy tourist holidays. Okay, lastly is cost. Some places have weekly and monthly fees that can be cheaper in the long run than booking daily. So do your research. Hey guys, next week I'm going to do my very best to get an episode uploaded. I'm going to be on a plane all day Wednesday heading back to the East Coast. I'm going to see my kids for two weeks. I'm so excited for the visit and I'm so excited to finally take a bath. I miss <laughs> my bathtub. So, and I miss my kids. Miss them very, very much. <laughs> Empty nest syndrome is alive and well in my life. So until next time, you all have a great weekend. No, you missed it last week, Josh. Uh, Tammy <clears throat> was complaining for maybe a good five minutes, and I'm, I'm probably exaggerating, about how uh, everybody in the, 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 the RV park there uses the Wi-Fi. 
and Tammy needs it all the time. Yeah, so exactly. it's like she should have dibs on it because she lives oh, there. Of course, yeah. <laughs> all well, the, they, all these other people just didn't, you know, for the yeah. for the fun of it, they don't for they the don't need it, yeah. yeah, they don't need the Wi Fi like I need the Wi Fi. <laughs> it's great. She'll be on a plane here pretty soon, and I'm guessing that you know I don't I'm not sure how many hours that that flight is, but she'll have plenty of time to uh, write up at least two or three segments worth of. Uh, I was worth, thinking the yeah. same thing. Plus, she'll be able to be maybe on the show because she'll have Wi Fi again if she's going back right. to the East Coast. And you know, the bathroom in those planes is about the same size as it is in RVs, so she should feel <laughs> yeah. right at so home. She's going to feel right at home. <laughs> That's so, a segment right there. You know, thirty thousand yeah. feet. That used to be the wife. Get out! I gotta go. Oh, I love it. <laughs> So I, I wanted to make a comment about her uh, comments. We, we've camped before and we do a lot of it. And she's so right about checking out the location and doing some research. And we stopped in Williams, uh, Arizona and fairly clean campground, but it was the whole campground was on, I mean, lack of better word. It was like this red lava rock. It was very, very rough. When you travel with a dog we could not let the dog outside of the camp. We had to pick the dog up and walk it a ways, you know, holding the dog to be able to get to actual dirt for the dog to do its business. So think about that too, folks. You never know what ground or what they're actually having on the ground. It was awful. I mean, it was just, I would never go back there. Yeah. So. In a pinch, you use uh, uh, leaves or pine cones, but them lava rocks, they ain't pine cones. I promise you. Mm-mm. It was just so hard on the feet, you know, it really just chaps rough. my ass. Ooh, yeah. So, well, how <laughs> well how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.contact to find out how. Don't slam the door! <laughs> Damn, was that a Lego or a lava rock I just stepped on? <laughs> Both about, about the same. Much damage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the part of the show where we like to invite you, the listener, to uh, pull up around the campfire and uh, and share a story or t- let's uh, talk about whatever topic we pull out of our out of the hat uh, this week. And and we're uh, we're pulling a new uh, topic each and every week. And it's sometimes it's a question, sometimes it's an open form topic, sometimes it's a little bit of a debate. Uh, it's always different and it's always fun and it's always open to you, the listener. Even if this is your first time listening to the show, you can join in on the Campfire Side Chat on our very next episode. Stick around. We'll tell you a little bit how about how to do that here right after this segment. For now, though, we turn uh, to, uh, well, the interwebs a little bit and uh, where a TikTok video is going viral and, and people are just utterly freaking out. It's a video of a topless Jeep driving through a car wash. Who cares, I say. <laughs> it's not the first time this has been done, uh, but it's the first time on TikTok, apparently. So the kiddies are losing their freaking undeveloped minds because to them, anything before TikTok does not exist. So my question to you this week is, would you drive your Jeep topless and doorless through a car wash? Most of us, I'm pretty sure I know what the would but I'm going to follow this up with what would it take if the answer is no? Everybody has a price. What's yours? So we're going to turn to our listeners who are around the campfire tonight. We've got a couple of familiar names and a couple new names as well. Uh, first up tonight, we've got Jeep and Mo with us. Larry, what would you uh, say to this question? Would you take the chance of driving your Jeep through a car wash with no top and no doors? Yeah, I would say my JL. I think it'd come out too many shorts in it. There's no way. Too much electronics in it. <laughs> oh, electronics. I was completely mis- misunderstanding what was going on there. I thought that was a party Jeep. 
<laughs> yeah. I have enough problem with electronics, more or less getting it soaked. Maybe if it was an older Jeep without all the, all the electronics, I'd be all for it, but not the newer now, one. It's it's kind of hard to tell from, from the herky-jerky video and uh, in the wrong position, all that, bad footage and everything, but it looks like it appears to be either a um, uh, a TJ or a JK. And I'm thinking either way, I'm agreeing with you, Larry, probably too many electronics. Uh, if it was a CJ, eh, probably not going to be too worried about it. Uh, uh, you know, Chip, what would you have to say about this? Would you take your Jeep through a car wash? Well, that's what I was just thinking about. I know, but for the right price, <laughs> I'd run my. I'd, I'd go through a car wash with my CJ. There you go. No He's got to work that CJ old. in every conversation. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, there there but, there is definitely a line in the sand here, and for some people, it, it might be the type of Jeep, and some people, it might just be a price tag. Uh, you know, so that I've got enough in the back pocket to replace whatever is going to short out, like Larry was talking about. Yeah, he takes his JL through there. There's no freaking way he's going to come out of there without well, blowing fuse. The, the CJ should do pretty well with the water inside, shouldn't it? Uh, I think the CJ yeah. would do just fine. Yeah, just just pull the plugs and go. I mean, it's so yeah. I I wouldn't have any problem driving my CJ through, and it, and I'd get a bath out of it. Actually, you guys, if you were listening to the Zoom people talk <laughs> just five minutes earlier, we were talking about some of the bikini car washes. There could be some real opportunities here. <laughs> now, you're, yeah, now you're talking. Wow, you're talking. a car wash with a happy ending. I never even thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thinking, I'm thinking that this would solve uh, Tammy's issue. So surely there's yes, a car wash could, in the area, right? Yeah. Right? <laughs> she could, Poor Tammy. You know, she could take a Just shower. On the hood. She Just wouldn't have to worry hood. about hair globs. No. <laughs> I wouldn't even have to worry about hair after that. Yeah. I think, that's, I think that's a JK that's in the, in the picture that you put in the show notes. Okay. Yeah, because okay. the, the handle on the tailgate uh, looks like a JK handle. Ah. All right, Greg, what about you? Would you be going through the car wash, no top and no doors? What would it take? Well, like, like the uh, like everybody else said, with the right price, I mean, maybe pay <laughs> off the mortgage and, and give me a down payment on a new vehicle, sure. On a new Jeep, why not? I mean, I don't have to, I don't have, to have the million. I don't have to have the million bucks just just to make it so I don't have to have a house payment every month. Now you're talking. Now you're talking. I was going to say, you know, for the right price. Now, I don't know if uh, you know this person is quite getting famous, uh, 3 million views or so on this TikTok video. Uh, on YouTube, I think that would qualify you for a, uh, maybe a paycheck of about 10 bucks. Uh, but you know, I don't know if they're going to be making any money off of a video like this with that, with that kind of hits. It may end up paying off. I don't know. Christopher, what about you? I know you're, uh, you're rocking the Grand Cherokee, so taking the top off really isn't an option for that's, you. That's a lot of work. That would be a lot of work. Uh, Sawzalling involved. Yes. Uh, you know, <laughs> have have cut off wheel will modify, right? Yeah. So, uh, Does have a sunroof? Does that count? <laughs> all right. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. Sunroof <laughs> open, doors off. Would you do it? Uh, in that one, probably. Just to see people's reaction. Now, there is no way I would take any Grand Cherokee through the car wash like I'm, that. I, they already are known for electronic electronic issues and stuff like that. I think that you're just begging for uh, a never-ending chasing of gremlins uh, from that point forward. I've got probably $1,000 in that vehicle, so it wouldn't be much to fix it. You could probably <laughs> sell it for for 10 right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Fresh wash. Right now. <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. Especially but if I had with, a uh, Wrangler, yeah, I mean, they're 
like a TJ, JK's maybe, I would do it. I would say maybe a TJ, uh, base model, no power, nothing. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, absolutely a CJ without without question. I mean, if uh, you put plastic over the dash, uh, I would think that you'd be doing, you'd probably be okay. It's okay, you know, maybe. <laughs> I still don't know. I've got some reservations Water's about Water's going to find a way. Uh, no, absolutely. Now, this is a guy who I would imagine is going to say not only yes, but hell yes. But hell Travis, yes. Travis, <laughs> give us the breakdown. What would it take? Yeah, we're, we're, we're saying yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I've never driven through a car wash, would I, in my YJ? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I wash it, you know, top off, doors off. I spray every bit of the inside and out. I remove the faceplate from my radio, and that's it. Other than that, you know, everything, and it's a marine-grade radio. It's, it's, it's made for a boat. It oh, gets yeah. wet. I don't worry about it. Um, I have no problem driving a YJ through a car wash, and I fix my transmission. I'll do it and put it on TikTok and get famous. Um, <laughs> if I had a JK, a JL, I might You're not famous, on a JT. You know, these things are built. They say they test them in all these avenues that, hey, they can handle the water. Would I attempt it? Honestly, yeah, you you pay me right. I mean, if there's no reason to do it, I'm not going to do it. But I'm getting paid. Yeah, I'm going to drive through it. I'm not going to question it. I'm like, yep, it's going to work or it's not going to work. You know, Jeep, we're going to put you to the test. We test them every day on the trail. They say they're tested in these water environments. Why not? I got a feeling yeah, we're going to have a real hard time when these guys guys renegotiate their Zoom people contract with us. They're all they all want to be paid. <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys remember. There was a, a years ago when the Renegade first came out. They they put this little uh, Olympic snowboarding chick into this uh, into this Renegade uh, and had her go through an Olympic whitewater rafting course with water in it while it was flowing backwards. And and did it in a renegade. Now it was just a sort of it was kind of a PR stunt more than anything. I I, <laughs> th- th- I don't think that the water was more than about a foot deep in anywhere. Um, but but nonetheless, I mean that's a lot of water moving through. And the only modification this vehicle had, I think, was that they relocated the ECU one inch higher than it was uh, previously. Uh, and, and that was enough to keep the to keep the the computer running and uh, and the Jeep rolling. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. Uh, maybe you wouldn't even have to uh, cover the dash. I, I don't know. What I'm thinking is we need to put in a call to Deadpool and say, hey, it's time for a test drive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see a lot of people complaining on the on, on the JKs and the JLs. I see a lot of people complaining about uh, the radios getting wet, uh, the inf- inf- infotainment systems getting wet, and screens going out and having all kinds of issues with, with the water. So that's what I was thinking about the, uh, the covering the dash is uh, just uh, protecting the – uh, very electronically uh, inclined uh, screens and stuff that they're putting in there now. Sure. Yeah, I don't think any of those buttons are waterproof. Mm-hmm. Mike Mike Zen here is with us. Uh, we heard a little bit from Mike earlier with a voicemail uh, t- turning us on to his YouTube channel. Uh, Mike, uh, one more plug for that YouTube channel, and then you can tell us uh, your answer to this week's question. Would you take your Jeep through a car wash with no top and no doors? No, I would say no. Not at all. <laughs> you may call me boring, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go through it uh, a car wash like that. Now, if the, if it was actually uh, a off road only, and it was just like already wrecked and stuff, 
Yeah, sure. Why not? I'll take it in there. You know, since there's the a opera warrior, but right now, since it's a daily, absolutely not. Right. I mean that that was that would definitely be the the line in the sand. If this is your daily driver, you have to get to work with this thing the next morning. You're probably not going to drive it through a car wash like that. Uh, you know, but if this is a daily driver, I mean, if this is a, a weekend warrior, rather, uh, an off-road only vehicle, maybe it's something that it has to be trailered to the park. Uh, who knows? Uh, it would probably be, uh, that would probably be the Jeep that would go through it uh, more than uh, more than the daily driver. So I, I agree with you 100% there. Hey, Mike, one more time. What's that YouTube channel? It's uh, Jeep Centox. So Jeep and uh, Centox is Z-E-N-T-O-K-S. There you go, folks. Make sure you go check them out. I've already uh, subscribed, Mike, and uh, hopefully uh, you guys out there listening will too. Next up, we've got Mudman084 uh, with us. Mudman, would you take your muddy Jeep into the car wash with no doors and no top? With it being my daily? No. Too many electronics in the JKs and uh. I agree. I agree. The newer Jeeps, they just got too much going on, especially with, uh, you know, you get into an infotainment system like Tony was talking about. And I mean, that uh, way more sensitive than just your average everyday CD player uh, or multimedia player. Uh, you know, that that's that's there's a lot more going on. And, and especially now with a lot of Jeeps integrating a lot of vehicles, integrating uh, some of the vehicle systems uh, and system monitoring into the stereo uh, you know, you, you get that stereo wet and suddenly maybe the whole Jeep isn't going to work anymore. Uh, so, I mean, there, there is the chance for that. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe there's some to Tony's little, uh, you know, piece of plastic protection, uh, like a Gallagher show or something like that, you know, just, <laughs> just first row. Yeah. Or actually first Smash three rows. Watermelons. Exactly. <laughs> so Mudman, what would it take though? I know, uh, you wouldn't take your Jeep. Would you take somebody else's? <laughs> I, I could talk, be talking to that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It's not my rig. Yeah, you know who's to who's to say I, I can I can I can dry off. I can warm up, warm back up. You know, a little soap in the eyes. Uh, so what? So that that's what I'm all about. You know, if somebody hands me the keys and say go for it, okay. <laughs> Make sure you're recording. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to uh, to Wendy. Wendy, um, I know that uh, the you and Bill you put a lot of uh, of time and money and effort into that Jeep. Maybe not that Jeep. Maybe so. What would it take for you to take a Jeep through a car wash with no doors and no top? Well, it certainly wouldn't be this one, that's for sure. <laughs> Put too much into it to, to destroy it. But if I thought we could get another Jeep, maybe I would do it then. I don't know. So, I don't know. Probably a lot of money so that I could decide what else to buy. Has it ever been something that you've thought about? I mean, not necessarily like, I, you know, I, I would like to do that one day. But just the thought crossing your mind, I wonder what it would be like to drive through a car wash with no top and no doors. Honestly, I I've first, never had that thought because I could really? see Bill going, let's get out and dry it real quick because the spots are going to be on it. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the thought has crossed my mind. Uh, I, and I've got a morbid curiosity and an insanely overactive imagination. Sure. So, this sort of sure. thing... You know, absolutely would pop into my head. You know, if if I drive through a or drive through drive by a car wash, uh, I'm probably thinking of all kinds of things, from you know movies to songs to you know what can I, uh, what would be the weird thing to do with or at a car wash. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, and actually, it, thinking about it now, if I lived in, uh, I think it's Larry's territory, was all mud. He says they go through mud all the time. I might yeah. consider doing a drive through rather than having to sit there and get all that mud off. You know, underneath the Jeep and all over, I might just say, you know what, drive it through. 
Oh, I saw this meme today. Uh, it said, uh, work smarter, not harder. And it was a picture yeah. of a sprinkler underneath of a Jeep. You know, one of, one of the big, one of the big fan back and forth style, yeah, uh, yeah, straight up, you know, and, and they just stuck it underneath the Jeep and here you go. <laughs> Wash it off this way. That's, yeah, that's about, how you do it. About 600 years. That would work. <laughs> I know, right? There's absolutely no pressure behind it. It's uh, maybe you know washing off some salt water or something like that. Yeah, uh, certainly good for that. Beach, but but not for mud. No, it's not going to do a damn thing. Tony, what about you? Is the thought of uh, of going through a car wash with no uh, no top and no doors ever crossed your mind? I think I would uh, uh, eagerly do this uh, if uh, if I had somebody else's Jeep. And uh, with with or without their permission, it would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me see your keys real quick. Why? No reason. Just uh, we'll take it for a quick spin. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's that same so character, uncle or whatever, that always says, sure, and bring it back waxed. And you can just bring it back to them and say, well, I didn't wax it, but I did wash it. And they go, oh, uh -huh. hey, thanks. And then they go out there to yeah. a, a soggy Jeep with, uh, you know, and go by and get some fish from the fish market and stick it in there in the, oh, uh, the flooded floor pans. Tony, you are not borrowing our Jeep, ever. <laughs> I would imagine yeah, right. that you guys don't let anybody drive your Jeep. I, th I think that would be, I, actually, that would be a good question for the show, Josh. Would you allow somebody else to drive your Jeep willingly? Yeah, that would be a good question. <laughs> well, I've, I've done that, though. Have you? Uh, we called yeah. them, uh, yeah. yeah, we called them, uh, uh, was it fire drills or a, ch a Chinese fire drill run? Uh, yeah. Something like that where, you know, and, and you're limited to an easy uh, an easy trail. We're not doing black diamonds here in other people's rigs. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. Asking, I remember that. asking for problems. Um, yeah. But if you've never been in an XJ, if you've never driven a JL, you know, that, right. that sort of thing, then, and, and you, you've got a group of 10 people, everybody pass your keys to the left, you know, and it, it's one of those type of things. And, and suddenly you're driving somebody else's rig. Now, this goes twofold. You're driving somebody else's rig. They have to drive it home. They may even have to drive it to work the next day. You're not going to be a retard and, and start, you know, let's see if I can climb this tree. You know, it's, it's, you're going to be respecting the other person's ride. Uh, and, and even more so when you're on an easy trail, there's not a whole lot of room to get into trouble. Uh, but nonetheless, you're experiencing another vehicle off-road. And, and it's a unique experience, especially considering you're focusing almost more on not doing any damage to this person's ride or adjusting the seat and stuff uh, than you are to what, what kind of you know, terrain am I rolling over at this point in time. So it, it's, it, it has to be the right group, one, but two, it also has to be the right kind of situation and, and scenario and, and in the right area as well. You have to be in an area where there's easy trails uh, and, and with a group of people that, that, A, you either somewhat know or, B, at least somewhat trust uh, because, you know, they're, they're putting their, you know, livelihood of their Jeep into your hands as well. So, you know, it's, it's a two-way road. I've done it. I've been there. It is nerve-wracking, but at the same time, it's a highly enjoyable experience, oh, sure. and I recommend it to anybody. It, it'd be my yeah. luck that uh, the, the guy in front of me would have a renegade, so, uh, and I don't know where to line those things up, so it's just, uh, it would be a bad situation. <laughs> Where's the yeah, pull cord? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I think it goes with a lot of other types of activities. If someone asks if you want to drive their Jeep, you say yes, and you do it. Because <laughs> you get that uh -huh. experience. You know what? You try something new. And sure. We've certain, we certainly put people in our Jeep to, you know, maybe they're checking out the PSC steering, or maybe they just want to see what it's like, you know, to drive on 37s. I don't know. 
it just uh it's definitely something that if you get offered to drive it you take it absolutely 100%. wendy yeah, what it's you. like to drive uh to drive on 37s Trying to figure yeah. out how to get into the, the damn Jeep is uh, <laughs> was my it. issue with the TJ. Is. <laughs> That's all part of it. <laughs> I would gladly do that on a daily basis, though. That was so cool. Yeah. Well, very good. This topic is certainly interesting here, and uh, I kind of kind of figured uh, you know the answers would would all sort of swing one direction, but but nonetheless, very fun topic here. And we're going to do this again next on the next episode of the Jeep Talk Show. And if you would like to join in, you very very much can, and it's very easy to do so. Uh, the best way to do that is to uh, you know sign up for um, our uh, our newsletter. It only comes out once a week. Uh, we're not going to spam you. Your information doesn't get sold to anybody else. Uh, and it's literally one email a week, if that even. Uh, and, and so uh, uh, you can do that by going to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Uh, you can find a link and uh, click and sign up. It's extremely easy, and it's just as easy to unsubscribe as well. Another way is to uh, make sure you're friended with us on Facebook, because uh, you can receive notifications through that as well. And we'll put out a link uh, to join in the Zoom room and the meeting, uh, all that sort of stuff. And, and you can join in on the next Campfire Side background. We'd sure love to have you here uh, on the Campfire Side chat uh, for our next show. Thanks again to my co-host, as well as Larry, Chip, Greg, Christopher, Travis, Mike, Mudman, and Bob, even though he was away from the mic at the time, for all being a part of this show as well. Hope to see you guys again next week. That's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to stay tuned to the Jeep Talk Show for a major announcement in the coming weeks. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Jeep. I Jeep. I Jeep because I am too damn lazy to ride a mountain bike. Besides, life is too short to drive a boring vehicle anyway. <laughs> Guessing since 2010.